Welcome, everyone, to the first uh, Sports Block podcast of 2023. Nathan Stack in here alongside my good friend and co-host, Travis Crins. Travis, uh, big winter storms hitting both of us, you more than me. How are you doing? How am I doing? Snow sucks, Sacken. Yeah. Snow sucks. I've, I've changed my tune on here. Would you rather have a bunch of ice or a bunch of snow? I'm going to go with the snow from now on, or the, uh, excuse me, the ice from oh, now on. Oh, really? Um, the ice is bad, and it's slippery, and you can't do much. It takes down power lines and trees. It does. You lose power. It's all bad shit. Two feet of snow is too fucking much snow. <laughs> you can't get anywhere. I've, I've gotten stuck twice. Not terribly. I've gotten out. Mm-hmm. It's a pain in the ass. We got five inches of snow Monday nights. We got 17 inches Tuesday like tw- that's almost two feet of snow. So it's the second biggest snowfall ever in Mitchell. Records from 1953. They somehow got 24 inches in a day, which seems impossible. But yeah, the, the snow was so so much snow was falling Tuesday afternoon and morning. It was ridiculous. It was probably like two or three inches an hour for a few hours there. And it wasn't all that windy. Mm -hmm. You couldn't see. I went to work. I got stuck in our alley back here, and I got out finally. I left this morning. I got stuck again. I had to get myself out at fucking five in the morning. Can you imagine if the wind was howling, how bad this was? Oh, fuck. Because I come home from work yesterday around 11 o'clock in the morning. It's not that windy, but you can't see because it's snowing so much. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're clearing Main Street, and that's somewhat clear, and you're zigging and zagging, trying to find out, how the fuck am I getting home here? Uh, trying to find this, the road. <laughs> yes, this usual three-minute drive. And you're like, all right, can I get through this? And you give it hell, and you just go as hard as you can, and you try and get through this shit. And you look at it, and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know how much snow this is. It's it, the depth perception on all this white shit. You can't... You can't see it right. until you're right there. So that was bad. Then we had a basketball game in Harrisburg Monday at 1230. They pushed that back up from Tuesday night. And even coming back, it takes about an hour and 15 minutes to go to Harrisburg. It took us a little over two hours to get back. Wow. And I couldn't, 45 on the interstate mm-hmm. was about what I was going because it was light snow. Yeah. And it was covered, and there was about two different stretches of about a quarter mile where the whole interstate was covered. So you're kind of just hoping to keep it on the road. Mm-hmm. So that was bad. And, and this is the most snow I've ever seen at once. And, I mean, they were saying about 10 to 16 inches uh, there on Monday. And, yeah, we got 20-plus inches of snow, so... They were even on the low end of things, yeah. somehow. Well, so I keep, yeah, I kept seeing on Twitter. I've been on Twitter a lot here over the last few days, and we'll we'll get into the reason why um, on that here in a, in a little bit. But um, I should say momentarily, it's coming up shortly. But uh, I kept seeing like Kello was talking about totals, like Alexandria, twenty four inches, and all yeah. these other little towns that I'd never heard of. Twenty two. Alexandria is thirteen miles west of here. 
Yep. And I didn't see Mitchell on there at all. So if you got two feet, why wasn't Mitchell on there? I mean, they would show. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. We got, you know, the airports, usually the site that they use. And, you know, I saw that yesterday, and I don't know why Mitchell wasn't on there. Alexandria is the next town on the Interstate West, 12, 13 miles away. So they got 20. And Ethan was on there, and Ethan is 12, 15 miles south of here. That's the next town south. Well, good for him. Oh, Basically. Okay. <laughs> Ethan, good for Ethan. And they were showing they got, you know, well over a foot, like 14 inches. And uh, about an hour south, Lake Andes and Platts, they're closer to the Nebraska border. They got two feet of snow, 24 inches. So it's unbelievable what we got. We got the cold from two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. 40 below, 45 below wind chills, and now we got two and a half feet of snow on the ground from the six inches we got a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It's just insane how fast it can work. And again, the the heavy bands, it's not like this was, you know, because some places didn't get nearly as much as others. And it's just a matter of where these heavy bands were. I mean, I think we, they said we were only supposed to get one to three inches of snow today. We have more than three. So I would say, I mean, maybe we're approaching a foot total. It didn't start snowing in St. Cloud until Tuesday at noon. And then... It snowed really hard for a while, and I've never, I can't recall, because when the snow plow comes, you know, right at our driveway, you know, put, brings a lot of snow. This was, pat, like, high, like, high, a high bank of snow. I don't recall seeing that high of a bank since we moved to St. Cloud, well, about three years ago. Sioux Falls got a foot of snow. Mm-hmm. And I bring up those two spring storms from my like, four, three, four, five years ago now. Yep. Back to back Aprils, we got we probably got like fifteen inches, and that was the most snow I'd ever seen before. At, at one and, time. Yeah, at one time, and I didn't expect this to top that. And that was like in in March or late to late April, early April. But yeah, this is you know, you know, you hate to. They said it was going to be bad, but Jesus Christ, two feet of snow, nobody nobody said that. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we got. So. I, mean, I, I like the snow. I don't I don't mind it. I like these big storms because it means something else. Is, like, it means stuff is happening. So I, I, I like it until I got to go outside. Yeah. I got to go outside, scoop it, and drive in it. And then it's a pain in the ass. I'm like, I hate this. Well, you know, just, just watch, uh, you know, just watch the debacle on the hill and and whatnot it's it's all good it's all good but this is um you know normally we're a little you know we're happy Uh, we we were talking about uh, a lot of football stuff but that we're not going to do that as much this week and that's because of the serious nature surrounding what took place monday night in cincinnati where buffalo bills safety damar hamlin uh, made a routine hit on Bengals wide receiver uh t higgins he gets up from it, and then he collapses. And so the game, you know, you, you see him go down, and you see everyone kind of take a knee. And, like, okay, that happens. Uh, ESPN had cut away from the play, so we didn't see Hamlin fall. But, you know, as the longer it goes, you're like, okay, this is bad. You know, 
this is not normal. Players have tears in their eyes. Uh, they're you know, forming like they're all taking a huddle. The Bills took a huddle on the field, took a knee. Head coach Sean McDermott was addressing the team, but they had surrounded Demar Hamlin as he was getting treated. And then you know ESPN is like, oh, this injury's bad. We're going to send it back to the studio. They talk about that for a little bit. Then it goes back to they alternate it back and forth uh, between the studio and Joe Buck. Joe Buck then passes on the the fact that oh they had to give him CPR. And then you learn that it's for many many minutes, upwards of nine minutes, and you hear it multiple times. And this is the minute I heard CPR. So we'll just stop there. We don't give the whole kind of spiel of how this goes. We'll take it in chunks. But the moment that I don't know if you were watching it, but the moment I heard CPR, I was like. Oh my God! This is this is not a normal injury where okay he's got like a fractured leg or like a, a concussion. You know we're not giving a stretcher to stabilize him. They actually are having to give him CPR, and that was what I knew something something bad had something really bad something really different had happened. Sometimes I'll be watching a game and I'll be here and be like, oh, some guy just died. I mean, they got hurt. And this time, someone almost actually died. And you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, that only he basically did. His heart stopped, what, once on the field, and then yeah. once in the hospital, they had to revive his heart. So basically, he died, and they had to bring him back. And I went, you know, I went to Harrisburg for the football game on yeah. Monday, yeah. and yeah. I wanted to watch the, the Cotton Bowl. So I taped that, and ended up watching that, and then... Uh, Rose Bowl, I didn't give two diddly-poos about that. Yeah, 43 was, points on Utah, that was bad. Uh, thanks, Cam Rising and Utah defense. Great way, way to step up. And then, you know, I'm interested in this Bills-Bengals game, best Monday night game they've had in probably years. Yep. And, you know, I'm a little bit behind my thing of watching it, so I can skip these commercials. And I'm halfway paying attention, and, you know, they get, they go to a commercial and they continue to go to a commercial and then you finally realize all right well something's serious here because the the game has stopped. The, the camera it's, was it's, in the corner too, so it's yeah, not, that's it, a very odd angle. The the players look different, so I knew it was something something serious and really didn't know what it was. And then you see that like he really didn't get like he's the one that got hit more so like T Higgins hit him and it. It was apparently hard enough. It didn't look all that hard, all things considered. It looked, it looked routine. It got damn near killed him, but, yeah. but uh, you know, it hit him just right. And then he gets up. I'm sure he felt fine because he got up. Then he just basically faints. And they felt like, well, was it a concussion? Uh, it's not a, probably a spinal or a neck thing because if it was that, he probably wouldn't be able to get up. Exactly. So you think, like, well, did he get hit, hit in the head? It doesn't appear so. Uh, but then the CPR thing happened, so it's like, all right, he had a heart attack or it did something to his heart. And it just went, went just continued for the next hour, hour and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, the game, by the time he had gotten hit or by the time he had fainted and the ambulance comes, it's like 20-some minutes, 22 minutes. And, yeah, 20 minutes. And then... You know, Joe Buck says, oh, you know, you know, I don't, Joe and Troy are talking, like, how do you restart this game? Everyone's just praying for DeMar, like, you, you can't. And then Joe Buck said, okay, they're going to have five minutes to warm up. I don't, 
know where that came from. ESPN is standing by their reporting there, but the NFL has steadfastly denied that denied it. But then, as they're like, how can you warm up in five minutes? But then you see the two coaches, Zach Taylor of the Bengals, Sean McDermott of the Bills, kind of walking toward. Really, it was Taylor walking towards Sean McDermott, and they're talking. And then you see McDermott kind of give the the thumb to the guys like okay let's let's head back to the locker room yeah we need to regroup here and kind of figure out what's going on because no one at this point knows what is going on with Demar Hamlin and you know it this is different than a normal injury this is like this is true life or death here so the teams go back to the locker room the game you know they announce you know they have the on the the, the scoreboard there the game has been temporarily suspended and it's like, okay, how long are we going to wait? We're waiting about an hour here, 45 minutes to an hour. And finally, ESPN kind of pans or has a camera angle by, I believe, the Bills locker room. And Donna Ponte, who I, I recognized her right away because I'm a geek and watch the NFL draft, so I know she announces some of the draft picks. She's way high up there in the NFL front office. She's on the phone and I was like, okay, she has to be talking with Goodell or other high-end league execs there at 345 Park Avenue. And then you see Sean McDermott and Taylor, uh, you know, passing the phone back and forth. And they're like, okay, they're not going to play this game tonight. They, they just, they can't. Everyone's focus needs to be on Hamlin. And... So finally, they announce it that the game is permanently suspended. Uh, it will not be played tonight, and we'll get to the like should the game be played or not here in a few minutes here because the sole focus has to be on Hamlin. You see, and like the Bills buses can't get there, so D- uh, Stefan Diggs takes an Uber to the hospital, and you have all these uh, like Coley Harvey with ESPN and you know Cameron Wolf with the NFL Network. All these guys are. Uh, ben Baby, the Bengals reporter for ESPN, they're all just talking, you know, back and forth. They're trying to get reports it, it's, it's see what's going on here. Scott Ben Pelt and Ryan Clark come on to do Sports Center because Joe Buck's like, okay, they're not doing this. That's good. You know, they can't play it. Yes, yep, we get that. Uh, all the the talking back and forth. I thought overall, given the unprecedented situation that ESPN was facing, they did a really good job. There's only so much that you can say. But I thought they, like Booger McFarlane, you could tell how much it was hitting him. Uh, Ryan Clark, you know, he had his own health issues. You know, he couldn't, because of what, sickle cell or something going up to Denver. He couldn't play because he could potentially die. Uh, Just the way that everything went and how fast it was, again, given the unprecedented situation, I was, I, I thought ESPN's coverage overall was very, very good considering the grave circumstances that uh, that we were facing or that they were facing and that we had no idea was coming when kickoff started. Yeah, I would say so. I thought Adam Schefter was a waste of time. He was the worst of the bunch. Yeah. Like, he just bad at his job. Yeah. Like, he did his Kirk, Kirk Cousins thing without his shirt, and he's treated as a joke because he is a joke. And he didn't add anything to the conversation. Everybody else did pretty good. I don't know. I don't know what you do for an hour when it's like that. So it just, you know, they had no updates. 
So they just kind of said the same thing for an hour. I think they were waiting for updates. You know, you have to try and stay on the air because what if an update comes, you want to be there. So you are filling time, but you kind of, you know, regurgitate the same information over and over again. And I don't know how realistic it was going to be to talk to one of the coaches at that point. I don't know. Would you say, hey, Zach Taylor, do you want to talk to us? Sean McDermott, do you have a second to talk to us? Probably not. So there was a point, you know, sideline reporters are pretty unnecessary. But if there was a point to have them, that feels like that would have been a situation. And Lisa Salters was down there updating as best as she could about yep. what she was seeing or hearing about. Yep, because she didn't have oh. access, like direct access to it. She could only go a, a certain distance. So she was saying, oh, I see, you know, the officials and I'm seeing that the, you know, they're passing a phone back and forth. So, yeah, she did. I, I commend her for doing as good a job as she did. So, and then the big thing that a lot of people have a problem with is that it took so long for this decision to be made to not play this game. And, like, when you're watching this and they bring an ambulance on the field and CPR, and it takes them 20 minutes, and at that point, you're like, did this guy die? Is he going to make it? At that point, you just call it off. And an hour went by, a little over an hour, and they finally did. And some of the you know, some of the guys on there were, like you said, kind of saying, you know, how can they continue to play? I don't think anybody outright said the NFL should cancel this game. Oh, there were a few, I think, that really... Like they, they were kind of hemming and hawing, you know, of... Oh, Adam Schefter would say, boy, you know, you got to think about the player and the players and, you know, their head's not in it and, you know, they're thinking you know, the I, best about the teammate. I, I absolutely How can they continue to play? So they, were, they would come up to that line of, you know, how can they play? They wouldn't outright say NFL. I think um, Susie Culver or somebody maybe said, you know, it's like, oh, this has been like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. What is taking so long? And it's, it's not a, like you're waiting for an update. What update could there have been given to say, all right, we're going to play this game now? Yep. It, it just felt like it, it took too long. Well, I, I, again, I, I think because of the unprecedented situation, I'm going to use that phrase probably a dozen more times throughout our conversation throughout the podcast here today or this week because I, I think given – just what was taking place you don't know like is he regaining consciousness is he okay like you know, what's going on here you really did we really didn't know what exactly was going on so if he and i i'm gonna put the mental health aspect of it like front front and center here because be, just because of this the type of injury and what happened this is a big trauma not only to hamlin but to his teammates to the coaches and stuff just because of the rarity or the just because of the nature of this event of this injury so they buffalo's minds are going to be with hamlin and like oh my gosh is this guy going to die it's not oh man you know i wonder if he's going to come back into the game or you know i wonder if we'll see him on the sideline in crutches or whatnot it's is my teammate is my uh, friend is he going to live and football is such a dangerous enough game where 
you know, if your head's not in it, you could get seriously injured. You, if you're not looking in the right spot, you might get hit and you might suffer a catastrophic injury, a head injury. You know, I don't. I give the NFL some grace when it comes to the like delaying the game and like before permanently suspending it for the night and now subsequently for the week. I do think the NFL, like Troy Vincent saying, oh, because they had a press conference after midnight and saying, oh, no, I don't know where that five minute came from. Like we were never, ever like considering the game going on. Well, I don't think that's necessarily the case here because if it were, you would have said something ahead of time like, hey, we're waiting to see if we get any, if we hear any update on Hamlin, if it is, then, you know, and the teams are okay, we will reconvene the game. That None, none of that was said at all. They were just like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Uh, are these teams going to be able to go out and play? And that's where I give Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor a lot of credit because I think it was those two, as well as some of the captains on the, on the team, perhaps, because Stephon Diggs tried to fire the team up after the ambulance left fire the bills up. Sean McDermott had talked to his team after they had taken a knee. And you could just see that they weren't in it. Their mindset was not right to be able to go back out on the field. So for McDermott and Taylor to kind of take the bull by the horns here and and say, hey, no, we're, we can't do this. Our, our players are not ready for it. This is not good. This is not a viable situation for them to, for us to continue playing. I give them a lot of credit because I feel like the NFL was trying to figure out a way to get the game in, and basically it was McDermott and Taylor that said, yeah, no. Washington Post says that John Perry, what, he's the ESPN analyst, uh, officials the analyst official, guy? Yep. yep. Apparently he's the guy who said it. Uh, ESPN has constant communication with league and game officials. And Joe Buck says that the rules analyst, John Perry, specifically got that information from league officials. Well, that's where that comes from. So somebody told him, I'm not sure that he would make that up. Right. And relay that information. Why would you? Why would you give him the gravity of the situation? So John Perry talks to somebody, and they tell him he has five minutes, and he says that to Joe Buck. And Joe Buck says that. To everybody so we'll see what happens you would assume you would not believe the nfl because they don't have a good, very good track record of this stuff so that's where that comes from anyway like they should have just called the game then like if, if it takes 20 minutes for somebody to be off the field then just call the game and then finally once they took the equipment off you realize this game wasn't going to happen yep but it took an hour, like a half hour would have been plenty of time. So, yeah, that'll be a, a black eye in a situation of why did it take over an hour for this to happen. I, I was I was thinking uh, about Owen Hart, the professional wrestler who died uh, in 1999. He fell from the rafters uh, in Kansas City, mm. and he, he died. And they knew it... I don't know, an hour later or so, probably less than that. But they continued the pay-per-view that they were doing, and even though he had died, and that's the big controversy of, do you continue the show if one of your performers dies in the ring like that? Mm -hmm. And they did. And that's kind of what I equated this to. It's like, they can't continue this. 
Um, it sounds like, you know, he'll be okay. He's getting better. He is getting better. Uh, yep. I, I don't think we can, like, yeah, he's still unconscious, but uh, his uncle, I guess, has gone on TV, said that, you know, he was 100% on the ventilator, and now maybe that's down to 50%. So it seems like things are progressing toward yeah. the way. But I think in part, you know, we're the, everyone's waiting for an update, and we were waiting on Wednesday, too. I mean, I watched Good Morning Football, and they did a fantastic job. Peter Schrager, Kyle Brandt, Jamie Erdahl, uh, Jason McCourty. And they're just, you know, they're talking and they're waiting for updates. NFL now comes on at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's seven out west where they're filming this uh, or recording this, and they're they're waiting for updates. And then finally, it's like, okay, what's going on? You hear then uh, like this I, I, on Sports Center. I there was this associate professor of cardiology or whatever at Columbia. And she said what they may be doing is doing a cooling down period and then they'll for like and that can take 24 to 48 hours and then you warm the body back up so you can look at the neurological uh, you know signs, the vitals to make sure it's okay. So that could be why as we're recording this right now on a Wednesday afternoon, that could be why we haven't heard a whole lot other than he is improving. I don't know. We don't know for sure. I'm not reporting that that is what they're doing, but that is what the cardiology professor, whatever the doctor on Sports Center said Tuesday night, that they may be doing that. Like that's how the this may be going. We don't know what the, the, the internal team is doing there in the ICU in Cincinnati at the Trauma One Center, but... Obviously, if if that if that sort of thing, this cooling thing, can take 24 to 48 hours, that could be why we aren't getting the updates like we are, like we were hoping to Monday night or even Tuesday morning. Yeah, there's not really many updates out there. It's just he's getting better, and that's about it. You know, imagine you know he'll never play football again. That'd be unbelievable. And if he can make it through this, he could probably have. Probably have a normal life. We'll see what type of damage has been done uh, mm-hmm. to that. Another another wrestling-related thing, uh, Jerry Lawler, who was probably in his early 70s, this was like 10 years ago, he was wrestling a match like he was 60 years old, and a wrestler gave him a pretty tame-looking elbow drop, not from the top rope, just an elbow drop to his chest. And... Um, and then he went back to be a commentator, and then like he passed out and had a heart attack, and his heart stopped as well for a long time, and he came back fine. And he was—he basically died as well. Mm-hmm. Another, and, and again, these are not heavy, freaking things to the chest either. Right. These fairly tame, tame things, all things considered. So yeah, hopefully he gets better and. You don't need to make the game up. And, you know, it would be nice to make this game up because it it's probably one one of the three most important games of the season. Yeah. You know, between Buffalo and Kansas City, uh, did, did the Bengals play the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs yes. lost to the Bengals. They, they all played each other, which is nice. And it's very important, but there, it, it, this game's not going to be made up. They were, they were saying, oh, let's push the playoffs back a week. Do you really need to push the playoffs back? Well, you might, cut the, you, might cut the, you might cut the week in between the championship games and the Super yeah. Bowl out. And I, I wouldn't do that. And it looks like, it looked like, you know, early on, you never know what was going to happen, but it looked like the Bengals were pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. The Bengals were maybe going to win that game through the first 
possession or two. Yeah. And I, I thought they would. So if that's the case, um, it's really the, diff- the, the difference between uh, Buffalo getting the three seed and the Bengals getting the two. Looks like the Chiefs are going to get the one seed. And if the Bengals would have won the game, then they would have been the one seed. Yeah. And well, if they lose them, it looks like the Buffalo is going to be the two seed now. Bengals are going to be the three, and that should have been flipped. Uh, if the result of the game would have went the Bengals way, so and that's the delicacy of this situation, though, and that's why I think they have to find a way to to play to to finish this game out. It first and foremost is the the health of Demar Hamlin and making sure that he is okay and that both teams get get the the mental um, the the counseling the mental health. Um, help that they need to be able to get back out on the football field and play this game because that is first and foremost and that's something I've always said but this game I think has to be played it has to be finished out because of how important it is to the AFC playoff picture I think you throw into question the whole validity of this uh of the of the AFC playoffs like how can you take it serious? <clears throat> how can this be taken seriously this year, if based on winning percentage, if you don't play the game, Kansas City gets the one seed. Oh, so Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to leave Arrowhead once again. Whereas if Buffalo won, they would still be in the driver's seat for the one seed. And you're right, maybe they would lose to the Bengals. But say if the Bengals win, and then. The, the Chiefs lose and the Bengals win out again. There's there the Bengals could get the one seed. So you you're playing with this whole playoff picture in terms of who gets home field advantage. I've seen Mike Florio throw out, uh, oh they should play at a neutral site game. Why in the heck would would you do that? That no no that's 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 asinine. I think again it's a it's I don't think there's a great solution because. Because given that it was the end of week 17, you have one week left before the playoffs, how do you fit this in? I get that it's difficult. If these were two 5-10 and 10 teams and you're just jockeying for draft position, don't make it up. But because of the, the importance of this game and how the teams are going to be jockeying for playoff seeding and positioning and the fact that the Bengals would, I mean... They would, if they were to lose, they would still have to play the Ravens for the AFC North crown. You're factoring all of this in. I, I think, given the magnitude and how much seeding would be a factor in this, if you want a legitimate playoff, this game has to be played when the teams are right. And it's so late in the season. I don't think it's going to happen. That's that's the problem. Now the other, like there is. Uh, you know, some I think I've seen a few other ideas that maybe you throw the you know you play Week 18, the NFC playoffs start next week, and then you also play Bengals Brown, uh, Bengals Bills, and then you start the AFC playoffs the week after, and they would play into that that bye week. So the AFC wouldn't have a bye week, but the NFC would leading up to the Super Bowl. That is a that is a possibility. I think that's uh, honestly a relatively decent solution to it i and again this you can is, also you can also you know play it next week and give every playoff team a bye yep. and get them arrested and and then just remove that week in between the champion the conference championship games and the super bowl 
I guess that would be the only thing I could see happening, but I just didn't, so I just don't see it. I, it's like, you know, I nobody's agree. saying, oh, are they going to play this week? Of course they are. And, but it's, but nobody's questioning, well, are, are the Bengals going to play this week? Well, yeah, they are. They're going to practice what they practiced today, I guess. And that should be a question of, well, do we even want to play this week? And, that's, and it's a bad situation, and the guy could have died. And if he would have died, it would have been terrible. I think then you would have to definitely postpone this week. But then it would have been a situation of, yeah, it would have been a big story for a week or two, but then it's the NFL, it's a, it's a terrible organization, and it goes on. I and I I would be and, and I I it'll never I, I doubt it'll ever come out, but I'll always believe that they wanted to this game to continue. I no matter what Troy I, Vincent says or anybody else says. Yep. I'm sure they were like, you know, you really want to not do this? All right, I guess. Yep. We'll do the right thing for once after an hour of nothing. I so. agree. I and I agree, and I'm not. I wasn't. Try, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to be a Skip Bayless here and say, I, you know, this game's got to be, po- uh, how can you postpone this game? Like he tweeted out on Monday and got thrown, like just everyone came at him and rightfully so. I'm saying that for both teams need to be in the right mindset and we need to know that DeMar is going to be okay first before you can proceed with this game. And that's where the, the scheduling comes into flux. I just think that this game is so important for the seeding that in order to have a legitimate playoff on the AFC side, you can't just say, oh, based on winning percentage, you're giving it to Kansas City because that's not fair it, to the Bills and or the Bengals should they have won. Like, it, you're just throwing everything into flux. But again, this is there is no absolutely good situation or good good solution here there just isn't i'm playing with it not being played the Bengals beat the chiefs last year in kansas city buffalo has beaten the chiefs two years in a row in kansas city in the regular season almost did it in the playoffs so somebody's gonna go up to go to have to go to kansas city and beat them again which has happened that that great amazing home field in kansas city in which they lose most of the time in the playoffs outside of the one year they didn't. So, yeah, and then Bengals are going to have to go to Buffalo and beat them. And they had to go to Tennessee and beat the Titans, went to beat the Chiefs, almost beat the Rams in L.A. So, yeah, it, it, I'm sure they would prefer to be at home, but, you know, road or home, I'm not, I'm not too worked up about, uh, about uh, the seating and what, what could have been. I just I feel like it has they have to figure out a way to play the game just because of how much and if, and if they play the game and even if they meet in the playoffs here in a couple weeks that's the only thing anybody's going to be thinking about that, that entire game right everything about oh this is this is the the makeup game of where that guy almost died or if they're playing the playoffs it's like oh yeah this is the game that happened three weeks ago in which. The guy almost died. But once you say and, that, regardless, like I mean, when the the Bengals play at home against the Ravens, so aren't they going to have to go through those same sorts of emotions anyway? About oh man, this is where Demar Hamlin got you know where you know T Higgins. I I just feel bad for him. I saw Bart Scott on ESPN blame Higgins 
that it was Higgins' fault that Hamlin got hurt. Like, are you kidding me? I hope ESPN suspends him or maybe just fires Mark Scott. Because if that's the analysis I'm getting... It is because he's the one that hit him, but he didn't do it on purpose. He was just playing football. Exactly. He didn't go out of his way to, to do anything. Uh, you look at what uh, what Thibodeau did with the Giants oh, doing goddamn snow angels with no snow behind Nick Foles, who's fucking knocked out of his goddamn gourds. Yeah, I mean, and shaking was, a little was, bit. Was there not? Was there not a? I assume there wasn't even a penalty on that play. Probably not. Like one one of the more disgusting things that I've seen in a while mm-hmm. for talking. And they'll give you a taunting penalty for... But they gave, uh, was it Alan Lazard, for, like, pointing at the Dolphin players that he blocked mm-hmm. after a big run. Mm-hmm. They gave him... I don't know if it was a penalty, but they sure as hell fined him. They fined like, him 10000 It's like, really? You're going to fucking fine him for pointing? Uh, you know, taunting? Sure. But then this jackass goes and does that right next to a quarterback who's just knocked out. So, yeah, and then Bart Scott, he's a stupid idiot, too. So, there's probably a reason why he's not on CBS anymore. Yep. And for, and, and maybe, hopefully yeah. soon, not ESPN. Because that's that's bad. Uh, Skip Bayless is bad. Apparently, he and Sh- uh, Shannon, you know, Shannon Sharp wasn't on on Tuesday, but he was on on all, Wednesday. All of, again, I will, you know, they say, oh, they're mad at each other, this and that. I mean, for me, it's professional wrestling. It is. I was just going to say, it, it likely is. Yep, you don't know. There, there's how, a reason why... Uh, wrestling has been around for a while, even though people know it's not real. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're Skip Bayless and your number one thing and your number one trait, number one thing you're about is attention. Right or wrong, Tim Tebow gets a lot of attention. I'll say he's the best ever. LeBron's the best ever. I'll go the other way and say he sucks. This year, everybody's saying, oh, we hope this guy's okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out and tweet, they should play this game. Or they should, how do you postpone this game? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, whatever I can do to, you know, to get attention, because there's no consequences for him, and he can right. say whatever he wants, and we're talking about him now, mm-hmm. instead of just putting out a generic tweet, wishing Hamlin well. He goes out and says, are you sure you want to suspend this game? And then people can read that and take it a certain way so he did his job of getting attention on himself and again i'm not trying to be a skip bayless here because i'm glad they postponed it they're postponing it through the week i just i feel like at just given how much importance it is on the it's, 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 yeah, for this to happen in this game is unbelievably un, unfortunate yes given, given how important this game is, yep. and we'll likely look back and say, well, what would have happened if Buffalo was the one seed? Or what would have happened if you know, the Bengals were the one seed? And you or, know what? The fact or, that it happened uh, so early, too. 5.58 left in the first quarter. Bengals are up 7-3. to three. If this had happened... I mean, in like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen early instead of... Like, if it happens late and there's five minutes left... Yeah, and it's, it's like a, 30 to 10... Yes, then... then yeah, like, Cincinnati, yep. you won the game. 30 yes. to 10, there's five minutes left. Yep. We're going to call it, you win the game. Yes, agreed, agreed. Or like even a 10-point lead with like four minutes to go. Or if you're in the third quarter, it gets a little dicier. But yeah, if it's just, you know, given the time and the score, it's just, it's difficult. There is no, there's no 100% good solution 
for how this is going to go. But first, if, like the health of DeMar Hamlin is first. The mental health of all of these players, too. It, not just for the Bengals and the Bills, but especially them. But everyone in the NFL that had to see that. Because that's it, it could be a trigger for people. And also... For the for the Twitterverse out there, if I mean, if you want Elon Musk, if you want to do something right, how about you get rid of all of these people who immediately say, "Oh, well, this is becoming a pandemic. Athletes falling over. Why is that? Because of the shot." Oh, what? Like, stop. Just stop. This is people have been hit harder. Uh, stop with this nonsense that it was the shot that did it. You know, that put him into cardiac arrest. Just stop. Literally something that never entered my mind. Never mind either. Never mind. And then people go out and tweet it because they're just waiting for an opportunity. And I'm sure they don't believe it either, but it's another. I can get some attention here. And that's that's just fucking ridiculous. It is. I mean, and and most of it is people that don't watch football. They have no idea what the hell a Buffalo Bill or Cincinnati Bengal is. They're just doing it because they can rile up their people. Well, like, you know, Herm Edwards always said, don't press send when it comes to a tweet. What, like, why would that be the first thing that would come to your mind? Oh, look at all, it's just a pandemic here. All these athletes that are dropping like flies. Why is that? Shot, shot, shot. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it, it, it still doesn't even, I, I just, I'm floored by who, the who stupidity. Are these, who are these other players dropping and dropping down? Who are these people? Well, they're talking about like high school athletes are passing out, or you know, you know. Okay, well, something fucking happened to him. They got heat stroke. Something happened. Yeah, this guy got hit very hard in the chest. Yeah, I just—it's amazing to me that they would go there, and it's the stupidity of of America at its at its worst, uh, or at its finest, if you want to highlight how stupid America oh. is. That's that's one way to show it. So that's bad. It's just bad. Uh, I was also, you know, talk about it being an unprecedented situation. There was a Detroit Lion wide receiver, Chuck Hughes, back in 1971. He collapsed at the end of the fourth quarter of a game uh, against the Bears and passed away. Uh, You know, I'm not... I think the unprecedented situation with this as opposed to that would be maybe like the television camera. I never heard of that before. Yeah, uh, so that's one. I I thought of Loyola Marymount basketball player Hank Gathers, uh, who who collapsed or you know died in 1990 there for Loyola Marymount uh, during a game. Um, that's what I thought of. But again, just just given everything that was transpiring in this game, we've we've just never seen a. Uh, I can't recall ever a football player needing to be administered CPR on the field. I don't think it's I don't think it's happened. And you've had all these injuries happen in Cincinnati. You got this one, you had the two a concussion yep. this year. Yep. Uh, um Ryan Shazier got paralyzed. Yep. Uh what was the was it Vontez Burfick took out Antonio Brown or something? Antonio too. Brown had his he's never been the same mentally he's crazy man now. And probably a lot of it was due to that hit. And um, this one not on this level, but kind of Carson Palmer towards ACL in that playoff game. But those first four are hellacious hits. Like it, it has nothing to do with the surface. It has nothing to do with anything other than it's a coincidence that they all happened 
at Cincinnati, and, and they none of them involve Cincinnati players. They're all on the opposing team. I was thinking about this Tuesday morning as I was watching Good Morning Football, and then Peter Schrager happened to talk about it, just how much the the city of Buffalo and Western New York has been through in the last, you know, not even a full calendar year. But you have the, um, the, the shooting at the grocery store. You have, um, you know, the, the blizzard that just killed 30 people. You've had other blizzards, other storms that have displaced the Buffalo Bills and, and stuff like this. The Bills have been through a ton, weather-related, uh, community-wise, and now this. Like, if there's ever a team that just needs a hug, I kind of feel like it's the Buffalo Bills this year. This this team is so tight-knit with their community, and just for everything that has happened to them, it's just like one body blow after another. Well, if there's what, six, at least six million donated to his charity, or his if there's money. one silver lining, it's that you know, under two thousand dollars enter or roughly two thousand dollars entering the game, uh, it's uh, chasing M's. It's uh, 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 Demar Hamlin's foundation, which he started in 2020 at school to help uh, you know provide toys to kids who were uh, affected by the you know the COVID protocols and whatnot, um, and it's over six and a half million right now. It's just amazing. I can't imagine we're going to use that all on toys. So maybe that's the start of a, a foundation or whatever the hell he wants to do with it. So yep. if this guy ever wakes up, it'll be nice for him to see that and say, "Wow, it's probably." Well, fingers crossed, he you know, will. Fingers crossed. Maybe. Maybe close to ten million by the time this thing done. Who knows? Yeah, the, the one silver line, and that's the one also thing about Bills Mafia and the Buffalo Bills fans. They donate to a lot of great causes. They did it to uh, for Josh Allen when his grandmother passed away. Uh, they donated a bunch to like a hospital. They donated to Andy Dalton's foundation when the Bengals knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs and got the Bills in. That was back uh, the year I think they traveled to Jacksonville. Um, so. It, and that was the first year they'd been in the playoffs in, like, you know, years. So the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia, does a great job of donating back, giving back. Um, it, it's a, it's just remarkable what what they've done now for DeMar Hamlin. And, and people all over the country. It's not just Bills fans. It's people all around. And there was a candlelight vigil Monday night. You know, you have Bengals and Bills fans coming together at the hospital like, hey, this is larger than life. This is larger than football. Because someone's life is online. It's just, it was very nice and very rewarding to see that. So that's the silver lining coming out of this is all the good. And, and honestly, it's one of the, the few things I think everyone can kind of agree on is that, yeah, life is, is more important than football right now. Uh, football, no. You know, Buffalo, they've been the Super Bowl favorite or one of the top two with Kansas City all year. Mm-hmm. And if they don't win it, or if they never win it, I think a lot of people, good or bad, will look back at this situation. And whether this impacted them or not, we'll never know. Yep. As far as what do they do, winning or not. But this could be a huge turning point uh, for negative. Or if they win it all, they'll say, yeah, we did it for our teammate. And that'll be the story. So it's kind of, we'll wait and see the result of the game, and that'll become... You know, was it good that this guy, did they rally around it, they use it as a good thing, or did this crush them and they lost because this happened? So yeah. it's 
it's a weird thing that the narrative will be based on the result of the football games. Yeah, it's it's just a shitty situation all the way around. But I, like I said, I commend ESPN for what they did uh, in covering it. Good Morning Football for the way they've covered it. It's been uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, to see, and again, all the... So we, we wish, you know, thoughts and prayers certainly with DeMar Hamlin and his family. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best in the recovery. Uh, not a whole lot of updates as of now, as of the recording of this podcast, but it does sound like he, you know, he's still in critical condition, but it does sound like he is improving uh, according to his uncle and whatnot. So that is uh, the good end. They do call it a cardiac arrest, so... That is what uh, happened. So um, there's really, I mean, yeah, the Vikings sucked on Sunday. They looked awful. They lose two offensive linemen. That, I think, really hurt them. Um, you know, not scoring a touchdown off a block punt was bad. Then giving up, you know, a kickoff return and an interception. And on that interception return for a touchdown, you lose your right tackle, Brian O'Neill, for the entire season, it's just like the whole season kind of it feels like it's crumbling right below. I got some good news. I got good news. Have you seen the good news? Oh, good news? What's that? I thought the Vikings were losing to the Bears on Sunday. And now they aren't because Justin Fields isn't playing. That is right. If you lose to gosh darn Nathan Peterman, <laughs> then you just close up shop. Yep. Vikings went from a one-point favorite versus a three-win team to a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That's good. I thought an hour ago Justin Fields was going to run for 200 yards against this team. Yeah. It's, if it's, you cannot beat Nathan Peterman, then it's done. You're going to play the Giants. Yep. That's going to be a tough one. Because it was a tough one two weeks ago when you played them. But, and you, had, think, you had an opportunity at the one seed. Still, It was still very unlikely, but you had to hold off San Francisco, who somehow, somehow let Jared Stidham carve him up something fierce. That, and that was like the saving grace for, with, with what was going on with the Vikings losing. It's like, oh my gosh, the Raiders might actually beat the 49ers, and, and it's gone. Um, so that's And they got the Cardinals this week, and yet, you know, they're just not losing to the Cardinals. No, no they aren't. So, like I, at this point, like do do you, do you rest guys? No, no, I don't think like, so. Like this doesn't like they they signed a couple of offensive linemen and the the center is you know I've never I've I, I've never really seen a guy he's a third string center but there were like a half dozen snaps where it's like he it's obvious they don't know what's going on he doesn't yep. know the snap count yep. It's something you don't see ever because you're usually not down in your third string center. Yep. So hopefully that gets better. Looks like Ryan O'Neal will probably be out all of next year with his, you got an Achilles, and that's about as serious of an injury as you can have. Partially torn. I don't know if that will affect the the recovery. So, so, so okay, let's say they beat the Bears and don't beat the Bears or whatever. But then you lose. If you lose to the Giants, like how does do people view this season differently? Everybody was excited with the comebacks, and if it kind of ends on this note, where your offensive line is just in shambles, I feel like that's like, like only the Vikings could be a laughing stock at the NFL and win like fourteen games. Right. Um, only they could be thirteen games. Only they right. could be 
Look at this team. They're what fourteen and three, and they've been outscored by twenty points. I do. I, I love when I love that they get the number one uh, broadcast teams, but they gotta stop with Tony Romo and Jim Nance. Oh, and three, uh, and all three games have just been absolute blowouts. To Josh Four Allen, and the, Dallas won. Yeah, the Dallas one to Green Bay one this year, so they're zero two this year. And then a few years ago, Josh Allen and the Bills came to Minneapolis. Oh and, my god! Um, you know, oh. Allen leapt over him. So yeah, not not good there. They're zero three with the Romo uh, Nance combo there. So that's got to change. Uh, I think you have to play most of your starters. I think you have to play Justin Jefferson. He was visibly frustrated in that game, um, and I think he let his emotions get the best of him. Um, but I think you have to do that. The defense is talking about, yeah, we have to do better. Okay, really? This is the game that you... It's too late. It's too fucking late. So if this is the game that it took you to look in the mirror, I I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, like the, the, the defense is somehow worse than last year, and that's ultimately got what, what got Zimmer fired. It's how bad the defense was. I think Ed Donatello's got to go. Huh? Ed Donatel's got to go. You have to. Keep He's got to go. And, uh, and outside of Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, you know, Patrick Peterson's been good at in points. Duke like Shelley. Duke, Shelley. Duke Shelley. Yep. Somebody from the scrap heap has been better than damn near anybody. Uh, Eric Kendricks, you hardly realize on the field anymore, so I feel like his downfall came very quickly. You've got Harrison Smith, who's kind of become an injury prone, and he's just getting older. Mm-hmm. So your best players are older. Your defense didn't get any better. You don't have anybody coming up. It's not like it's, oh, this is a young defense that's going to get better. And they don't have anybody. A lot of people are hurt. Your offensive line is in shambles. So, like, I feel like next year things could go very poorly. Like, they overachieved greatly this year. I feel like it comes back, and I don't. We'll see what they do in the offseason and picks and this and that. But I, I need to see what they do. I'm not even going to entertain that. Like but, if, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think it would shock anybody. They'll be like, oh, yeah, they won seven. They won seven and ten. And it was just awful. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. I'm not even going to look. I just oh, so T.J. Hawkinson's got to catch the goddamn ball. Yeah, he does. Yep, too many drops. He dropped, I mean, he is the favorite target of Kirk Cousins now. Yep. And he drops way too many passes. Yep. And, and have, the, have the Lions, the Lions haven't missed him at all. It's On the surface, it seems like a dumb trade to get rid of your, your you know, big tight end. who's mm-hmm. really good. But it hasn't mattered. It doesn't look like it all to them. They went on that run without him. Yep. Carol, Carolina didn't matter. They got rid of Christian McCaffrey. He's done well for the 49ers, but they did better without him. And they almost won that division. And Justin Jefferson, like Detroit has shut him down. The Packers shut him down. Did they really the shut Eagles. him down, though? Like, they double-teamed him. It wasn't just Jair Yes, that's how you do it. It's like every week we talk about, okay, Justin Jefferson, he's great. Put a guy on him. And so many times I complain about, he's just running around there. Nobody's on him. Put somebody on him. You got Jair Alexander, he thinks he's hot shit. Okay, he's good. And he put somebody else, the safety, somebody else to help him. And you shut him down. If you shut him down, 
you took the Vikings down. The Packers did not do that in the first game. Yeah. He was just running around. Like he was on a nice Sunday stroll. There was nobody within 10, 20 yards of him on some place. And now they decide, well, we're going to shut this guy down. So they do. So why everybody doesn't do that, I don't know. All right, this is how it works. It's worked multiple times. So do it. Yeah. Like he shouldn't get these games with 10 catches and 150 yards. Like he shouldn't do that. Well, wouldn't you say the same thing for Devontae Adams? And Devontae Adams does that. He does do that. It's like, stop. Some teams are better than others, but it seems like, all right, commit two guys to this. One receiver. It doesn't, again, it doesn't appear that hard. Okay. So what, what, what have the teams done who have shut him down? What have they done? And what have the teams that have not played very well, what have they done? And it's just, you look at it and you see him wide open, and it's ridiculous. I think the bottom like, line. Randy Moss was never this wide open. No. Hey, he's a great route runner and he gets open and all that. But a lot of it is when you see the replay, nobody goes with him. Nobody follows him. Put somebody in his general area. So they stopped him. We'll see what the Bears do. I bottom line, you know, the 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 the, the, the cleats weren't weren't good. There was tons of slipping. Uh, the offensive line woes. Uh, you got to punch it in uh, for a touchdown from the one yard line. That that's that's a backbreaker right there. How about Greg Joseph just kick it out of the end zone? Uh, that would be lovely. But you have to play your starters this week, at least for the majority of the game. You have to win this game to put pressure on San Francisco. Because if you if you win the game and San Francisco loses, you're the two seed. So there, I. I think you have to do it to a certain degree, and plus you have to get the bad taste of last week out of your mouth. You can't just lay on that, you know, for for a couple weeks. So I think the Vikings have to play their starters. You have to get some continuity on the offensive line. You have to you have to win this game, and if you do, I honestly, the matchup with the Giants is better than if they were to play the Lions or the Packers. Which, by the way, why NBC? Why the NFL put? Packers or Lions Packers in Sunday night slot. You know why? I know because they because Aaron Rodgers is their freaking homeboy and they love the Packers. You know, all all they needed to do, all that needed to happen for it. I mean, you you watch the game, you listen to the game, and all we heard in the second half was, "Are they going to win the Super Bowl now?" Yeah. They're not even in the fucking playoffs yet. They still got to win, and they probably will. They probably will, but the the game that should have been in that Sunday night slot not is, Jacksonville, Tennessee. It should have been. That's what winning in AFC South. No, and I mean no, no. What the ratings will be? What they'll be? They they'll are, get, but that's entirely get, why uh, they're doing it. Good, I don't know, twenty percent more for Packers. The, the sole purpose of this last Sunday night game is to make sure you have playoff implications on the line for both teams. And the Lions may be going into kickoff without being able to make the playoffs because Seattle's going to beat the Rams. So, but then it brings down to, you know, whether the Packers, the Packers yeah, need to win. I know, but they, they, only one team is playing for something. So the Lions, are they? how motivated are they going to be? They I'm sure be, they would be motivated to finish their season on a high note. I I agree, but they're still responsible for knocking out. They the still Packers. don't have something on the line 
necessarily as opposed to the Titans and Jaguars who the winner of the AFC the winner of that game wins the AFC South. That means that both teams have something on the line. Like But that's Canada. not that's not attractive for anybody. But they've put the AFC South on before I remember Indian uh, Indianapolis at Tennessee a few years back. They've But put, like this but but you're not I mean This is a poor you're decision. Not by you're not surprised it's Packers Lions. You look at it and you say all right, that's the number one pick. It's, it, but it's game 272, 288, whatever it is, because the extra week. The, this is a terrible I, a scheduling snafu by the NFL. It, it's just bad. No, it's, I mean, they're no. They're going to put, if they got a shot to put. I know. They, they know why they're, they're doing it. There, they will. It's the wrong decision. It is 138 uh, million percent the wrong reason. Like the Packers are going to be the story heading into the playoffs. I know. And so that's why... 5-0, whatever the hell their win streak's going to be. That's why if the Vikings don't get the two-seed, if if the three-seed, they're playing the Giants, I'm okay with that because it's easier. But then if they were to play the Packers or the Lions, but then you would have to go to San Francisco for the divisional round, which is far more... The the Vikings, they should be the biggest Packer fans there are and root for Green Bay to knock off San Francisco. Yes. And say, hey, we don't want that. We're going to play... Uh, old man Brady. Yep. We're gonna. Uh, the the game I'm interested in the most is Tampa Bay and Dallas. Yep. Cause, can, can the Cowboys not uh, defecate all over themselves as they usually do in these games? Yep. Tampa Bay looks absolutely atrocious. Yep. Uh, looks like they finally put together a good second half against the Panthers. Did you see that punt by Jake Camarda? Unbelievable punt. That saved the game. That saved their season. The Panthers were going to win that game. The Panthers should have won that game. They A, could have covered Mike oh, yeah. Evans. And B, they blocked that punt. Or yeah, they win that game. I fully believe that. And because because Rodgers won a Super Bowl, what, 12 years ago now? And hasn't really done anything in the playoffs since. Hasn't gotten back to the Super Bowl. Been to the conference title game a couple times. You know, you, you would swear the way they talk about him that he's won like four of these things. I got a, I got a bold prediction regarding Rodgers. Uh, I, I mean, I really would hope that he retires at the end of the season. I don't no, think he'll, he will. No, he'll play for multiple years. I think. I'll, I'll wait for the bold prediction until after the season's done. But I have a bold prediction where, where Rodgers will be playing next year. Is it NFC or AFC? I will just wait until after. You're going to have to wait until after the season. Son of a bitch. Uh, so hang tight on that. Like, no, he'll be back because <laughs> they make this great run. And we'll see, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. What about... Like, I don't know. Like We're going to look at these head coaching... Uh, the, these head coaches that get fired. We already have three openings. Uh, there, I think Arizona. Him and, him and Jim Harbaugh are going to go to the Colts again. Potentially. Um, no. I I I think Jim Harbaugh. I I think Denver. I think Denver is the 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 place for Harbaugh because the. Where did Sean Payton go? I I think Sean Payton. It would be a mistake to go to Denver. I think Sean Payton would be better served to go to Indianapolis. Carolina, or if Houston opens up, Houston. If I'm if I'm going to Denver, I need to be assured that 
We need to move on from that quarterback. That's why I they can't. So, they, that's why Peyton if should it's not. In a year or two, that's fine. But I cannot continue with him. That's why. That's why Peyton shouldn't go to Denver because he's tied to Russell Wilson for the five-year you know duration of that two hundred forty-five million dollar contract. That's why he shouldn't go there. He needs to go with a clean slate with a quarterback, which is why if he if Houston opens up, Bryce Young is a very attractive. Um, pick there. Uh, Carolina, if you keep Sam Darnold, go with someone. I think Indianapolis, you have to land a quarterback of your choosing. So I think in, I think one of those, that te- everything is better than Denver for Sean Payton. But I think a couple other openings, potentially. Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, though they just got, just got an extension. And you look at all the the quarterback issues, injury issues that they've had this year, I think maybe he sticks around, but we'll see. They fought hard the last couple of weeks against Tampa Bay and Atlanta. I think that might be the saving grace for him. Um, I think Tennessee, if they lose to the Jaguars, seven losses in a row, you've already fired your GM. Is Vrabel, you know, now a new GM is going to inherit Vrabel? That's a potential one to watch. And I think the surprise would be uh, Ron Rivera and Washington, because for Rivera to not only start Carson Wentz, but to think that the, the the commanders, if they didn't lose, wouldn't be eliminated from the playoffs, he said that was a gaffe. That's a major gaffe. You're starting Carson Wentz because you still think you have a shot at the playoffs even if you lose? No, 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 no. Carson Wentz sucks. He sucked on Sunday. No, 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 no. If you, if you were trying to... you. I think he said, I'm trying to jumpstart our offense with Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz proceeded to throw for under 100 yards, have two interceptions. And because of your idiocracy there, because of your quote-unquote gaffe, Washington now is no longer in playoff contention. Because you started Carson Wentz instead of Taylor Heineke. I'm not saying Taylor Heineke has been great. The 0-2-1 in the previous three starts. But you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Uh, that that someone should have alerted him to that. I would I would fire him for that move alone. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I think that would be the surprise move. Would be Ron Rivera getting fired and because of that. But he's done so much to try and rehabilitate that franchise and their image, and he's done it as a commendable job doing that. But this is an inexcusable mistake. Between Nathaniel Hackett not knowing how time works and Ron Rivera not knowing how math works and the Vikings defense coordinator not knowing how football works. Yeah. There's a lot of dumb shit out there. Yep. Sure. And to say, like, Carson Wentz is going to spark your offense – that's like saying you've got a dead battery in your car and you're going to jump it with a loaf of bread and a fucking wooden table. <laughs> what? It doesn't make any sense. They're going to start Sam Howell this week against Dallas, which is good. This is, uh, I'm, I'm glad the Raiders started Jared Stidham. Uh, Derek Carr. You know, he might go somewhere. And like with Jared Stidham, if he has another good game, then what do you do? And all right, is this a fluke or is this guy okay? 
I see another Mike White where he's probably not the guy, but he's better or he's just as good as what we've been putting out there. So that's interesting. Uh, you use week 18 to see to see what you've got. So the, the quote again from uh, this is last week, so just to make sure I'm, I'm not doing anything. He said, well, uh, Rivera, Ron Rivera said, well, just a, a couple of things here. I First off, I think seeing how he played, uh, revert, uh, going back to Washington's game against San Francisco, I think where we are right now, I'm looking for a little bit of a spark, a little something different, and I think now is a good opportunity for it in regards to switching to Wentz. So, how did he play against San Francisco? Well, he came in uh, after Heineke was pulled, and I think he threw a touchdown. Ooh, big deal. And how did he play last week? He played awful. Yeah. He should not be in the league, but he will be, and he should be a backup. Backup at best. Like, where, where, where does he go now? I don't know. Like, how many, how many games do you have to play? How many seasons do you have to play awful before they just say, all right, that, that's enough. That's enough of this. That's a good question. Somebody had a clue. Who they play? Cleveland. Somebody somebody had a Cleveland or some somebody had a quote of – like yeah, once came into the game, his his release is so slow, so we get we can basically get a pretty good break on where he's throwing the ball. It's like, come on. And for Ron Rivera not to know that they could be eliminated. And some people said, Oh, I that's that's good that he didn't know that because that means that he can uh, he's just worried about winning every game. Well no, you have to realize what the fuck's going on. Yep. And Taylor Heineke's not great either, but you won some games with him. Carson Wentz, you haven't won anything with him. Yeah, that's a, to me, that's a fireball offense. Yep. Agreed. A um, couple of the last things to close here. Uh, college football. Um, the, well, I'll get Charlie on here later, but the college football semifinals, uh, college football playoff semifinals on Saturday, best ever. Um, I do think... Uh, regarding m- m- Michigan and TCU, Michigan was screwed on that touchdown uh, when they were trailing 14-3. I don't if you call him if you call it a touchdown on the field, there is nothing indisputable to overturn the touchdown. If you had called him down at the half yard line, there would have been nothing indisputable to I think overturn that and you know say oh it's a touchdown. But because there was a touch. It was called a touchdown on the field. I don't know how that gets overturned. And Michigan subsequently fumbles the football on the very next snap. TCU recovers it, and they ultimately lose by six. Also, that's a targeting penalty against the TCU player. I don't know how after review they didn't say it was a targeting. I'm not saying Michigan would have won the game, but they would have had another play, and it would have been 15 yards closer. So I think there was a Michigan bias or a, a, a bias against Michigan. Um, I they, think the referees just suck. They were bad. That, that is that is fireable offense bad. I, I don't think there's ever a bias against, I want this team to win, I want that team to lose. I think they're just bad at their jobs. Yeah, it was a very close play in the touchdown, but you have to score from one yard out. That's inexcusable. You can't change what the official did. You can't change that they... 
you know, maybe got the call wrong, but you can't fumble at the one. Agreed. Uh, agreed. I'm just saying that that yeah. we wouldn't have even had that if the official. And these are the these are supposed to be the best of the best. That's why they're in the playoff, the semifinal playoff game. This was a exceptional game. Uh, we've had a couple games like this this year. You no know, Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, UCLA, USC was similar to this. You know, given this is probably the game of the year, just because it's a little extra of this was a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, this was fantastic. Tons of points in the second half. Just crazy craziness. And uh, Max Duggan didn't really play all that well either. And TCU's running back got hurt. Yep. But, boy, they still found ways. I was stunned that Michigan's defense just got scorched like they did. And two pick and sixes even, help. That's what TCU got. Yeah, even, even if you take away the defensive touchdowns, they still gave up, what, 36? Um, yeah. I thought Michigan was going to win this game pretty easily. I did too. With their defense. The quarterback, their quarterback – I'm glad that Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, seems to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long time since Michigan's quarterback has been anything but blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you know, and why, why does John Harbaugh want to leave? Or Jim Harbaugh? Why does Jim Harbaugh want to leave Michigan all of a sudden every offseason, it seems like? He seems like he can't get out of there soon enough. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like know. You finally, you finally got them to a point of best team in the Big Ten. You've beaten Ohio State twice. You have made the playoff twice in a row. Like you have finally, it seems like, you know, when he was with the 49ers and he got them to the Super Bowl and then he leaves soon after. Because the mission, it seems like he gets a gets somewhere, gets them to a certain point. Then he says, all right, now i got to go and, and, and do something else. Yeah, I don't know, especially it may be for them to lose the way they have in each of the these past two college football playoff games. Like against Georgia, they were just absolutely smoked. Uh, yeah. Kind of knew that. This game, they were favorites. They should have won this game. They're like, better than... Like, they played TC 10 times, they probably win six or seven times. Maybe, but they didn't. Like, Because TCU's this... not getting those pick sixes. And but is this, is this the pinnacle for Michigan football like oh just getting to the college football playoff semifinal can they make it to the national championship I don't know if they can um oh, yeah, they, they, they lose by six against TCU they beat Ohio the thing for them is to beat Ohio State and this year showed that if they did not do that they still would have made the playoff as a four seed mm-hmm. and played Georgia and as good as the Georgia game was, I could never really get into it until late because of how great the first game was. Yeah, and, and I'm waiting honest. for it. And I, like Ohio State and Georgia are probably better than the two other teams that just played. Yep. But I don't, I don't care. I finally cared at the end of the game. And part of it was I didn't know who to root for because I don't like either of the teams. I wanted and Georgia just because I hate Ohio State. And honestly, I hate Ohio State. And I don't like Georgia. And I was thinking, who does TCU have a better shot against? Yeah. Like, could they stop Ohio State's offense? That's questionable. Yep. Uh, you know, Georgia's defense is not 
world beaters at all anymore. Can they score against them? I was stunned by that. I was absolutely stunned that Marvin Harrison Jr., very good wide receiver, was having his way with Georgia's secondary. I was stunned that C.J. Stroud had as good a day as he had. I wasn't surprised that he had a good day, but just how good he was against that vaunted Georgia defense. I was surprised with how much Georgia's offense relatively struggled against uh, Ohio State's suspect defense. And Ohio State was talking all about the second chance, second chance. And honestly, it took Marvin Harrison Jr. getting knocked out of the game for Georgia to ultimately win this game because they outscored Ohio State 18-3 after that. So I think, I think if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hit there in the end zone at the end of the third quarter, I think Ohio State would have won the game. I don't think Georgia would have come back. And that field goal was a, a, at the stroke of midnight, uh, and he missed it. That field goal never had a chance. Never. Now, Georgia's defense was excellent last year. And they haven't lost in a long time. They're 14-0 and this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like when, these, when certain teams actually play somebody, they're not as good as we think they are. Mm-hmm. Michigan's defense is really good. TCU dominated them. Just ran it all over them. Big play after big play. Guys were open. They uh, Their backup running back had 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, the Big Ten offenses Michigan plays are awful. Look at who Michigan plays every year. And yeah, you, you play those teams, you should probably not give up more than two touchdowns most of the time. Then you play a team outside your conference, you play uh, the best team in the Big 12, and you just get torched. Mm-hmm. Michigan never turns the ball over. They, they couldn't help but turn it over. And there's like the Vikings and Saints. Like turnover and turnover and turnover. Mm-hmm. And they're still in the game. And Georgia, they don't play anybody in the SEC East. They go seven years, eight years off playing Alabama in the regular season. They, they never play anybody in the SEC. They finally play somebody, and they give up 41 points. Yep. You know, you look at Georgia's schedule this year. They, they beat Oregon. They beat Tennessee. That's it. Yeah. They beat LSU by 50 to 30. Like, they, they played a not a very good schedule. So when these teams finally play somebody good, you know, their defenses don't look as good. You know, Stetson Bennett did well. I don't I don't need to see him again. I'm glad this is it for him. I don't need Stetson Bennett the fourth. I don't need the fourth on your jersey. I don't know who the hell Stetson Bennett the third was. So I don't give a fuck about Stetson Bennett the fourth. Uh, Cam Dantzler Sr., I don't know who the hell your son is, since he's probably two years old. I don't need Sr. on the back of your jersey. Unless you're Ken Griffey Jr. and your dad played Major League Baseball for 20 years, I don't need the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, or junior or senior on your your unit. Stetson Bennett the third is Stetson Bennett's the fourth's father. It's just a, it's an. It's what the hell name. did he do? Is he a quarterback for God? Was he a quarterback for anybody? I don't know, but that's it's the name. Stetson Bennett the fourth. If you pompous ass is what I would say. Pompous ass. If you if you've got the fourth or the third, RG three. I like him. I really don't know why he needed the third. Who was his dad? Do we, do we know who his dad well, is? Well, it doesn't matter the third. It's just the it's the line. So he had Robert Griffin II is his father. 
How many other people out there are juniors or thirds or fourths that we don't know about, but they don't put that on the back of their uniforms? I don't know because they don't put it on the back of their uniforms. I'm sure there are plenty of people that are juniors I don't or think the it's third all that or fourth of their name. Yeah, I don't think it's all that common, like the third and the fourth and whatnot. Um, I think it is. I think I think it is not common, but I think there is a lot out there. Probably, and they just. And who, who are those people that are that but don't decide I need to put that on my jersey? I don't know. I don't. Um, Tulane, what a what a win for them. Comeback win over USC. I believe I was the only one that picked Tulane to win. Did Drew, did Drew not even pick him? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Drew, Drew, Drew loved Tulane. He had to have picked him. Who did who? Let's see here. That was the game I wanted to watch. Yeah, uh, uh, USC, I don't think they even – did they punt in that game? I'm not sure. Like, it was so easy for them, and their defense is absolutely terrible. And they were just kind of moseying along, and they lose it at the end. Who did Drew pick here? If he didn't pick Tulane, then that's an embarrassment. Tulane – uh, yeah, he picked uh, USC for twenty four. So screw him. He was all about. He was all about. I was the only one that picked Tulane. Only one. I switched. I switched it the day of because Caleb Williams was playing. And I that I thought the same thing. Uh, like maybe I should switch it because of Caleb Williams playing. For for next year, things to remember for next year, which we will surely forget. Uh, like underdogs, not not to win, but at least cover the spread. Seemed like every underdog covered the spread. Don't pick Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin can't get his team ready for bowl games. Penn State won. Ole Miss was just didn't take this seriously at all. Tulane won. I had, I don't know. You know the the two underdogs in the college football playoff game. They both covered. Like you could literally pick the. The underdog in every game would be about the same. Like what what Pitt did to UCLA was embarrassing. Yeah. Yes, it was. Like if if you're like a seven to a fourteen point favorite, assume you're going to win the game, mm-hmm. or you're an underdog. Especially when you're not playing against their starting quarterback, and I, I mean it's just yeah, that was bad. Like North North Carolina almost beat Oregon. Uh, pretty much led most of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame, South Carolina was very entertaining. Notre Dame wins with some random dude at quarterback because South Carolina's defense is awful. Uh, Minnesota wins but can't cover because they let the Syracuse quarterback run from 20 yards out in the final minute. Mm-hmm. Florida State can barely beat an awful Oklahoma team. Just up and down the line. You got Kansas and Arkansas. What a, what a game. What a finish. The game in which you yes. tune out because you think it's over with. The game of the, the bowl season, I think. So, a lot of teams that were underdogs that played very well. And we have the big one on Sunday between it's uh, between North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Uh, down in Frisco. This is the game you wanted. Does South Dakota oh. State win? Like, there's no excuses. Like, this is it. This never happens to 
this hasn't happened in a like in a long time for like teams I want or a team that you want. Right. Like for you, for you personally, would this be the biggest win? Yes. For you personally, yes. for a team you're a fan of. Yes. Yes. Think about that. This is even bigger than like because I, I I'm a UNC fan, but this is this is far bigger than that. Like this you went to the school. You know who the head coach is. You've yeah. talked to him many times. Yes. Yep. This would this would absolutely be the biggest. And I, NDSU is nine and zero in Frisco. So I, I, I'm hopeful. I think SDSU is better. I think NDSU has a few guys who are injured that won't be playing. Hopefully that's the case. I'm hoping for the best, expecting the worst, because that's just what happens. I've they, never... don't, they don't win these games. They don't beat Iowa. They don't. They don't the, the men don't win the NCAA tournament game in which everybody picks them to beat Providence. Mm-hmm. They don't win the game and there's no more games after this this is the last game of the year so they're like a four four and a half point favorite they were like a three point favorite so that goes up they beat them three times in a row you know there's a lot of pressure I don't know if that gets to them I think it probably helps that they've been here before mm-hmm. so this is new to them you have a hard time picking them to win because it's like they, they just never do it. Right. They beat them in the regular season. They never beat them in the playoffs. You know, you got it. You, you pick them just to say you picked them, but you hope it's not close. You hope it doesn't come down to a field goal one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Hope it's not a heartbreaking loss. Yep. They kind of got off to a slow start the first time they played them. But that NDSU quarterback is just so terrible that it's like, and the SDSU defense is very good. Mm-hmm. It was like, you, uh, you limited the Montana State quarterback. Uh, you didn't really do much against the Holy Cross guy. He kind of had your way with you. Yep. But what he completed one pass against Incarnate Word. Mm-hmm. So, and they still win. So stop the running game. You stop their offense. <sighs> Say they win or uh, SDSU wins. Say sure they win. I hope so. I I really do. I'm like I say, I'm fearful and hoping for the best, expecting the worst. So, and maybe this starts a run. Or maybe they they become North Dakota State. I, suppose, they I just win want one, three, four, five in a row. They win. You know, they win five over the next ten years because because who else is there? No one. Montana the, Mon- the, the, the Montanas and the Dakotas. In, incarnate word, maybe. Yeah, it's like who's they've all left. James Madison, you know they've they've all left. Yep. So we will see. And, 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 and I think you know TCU and Georgia with twelve and a half, thirteen point favorites. That's huge. You know, I I think everybody would be rooting for TCU if you don't care about the game. Mm-hmm. It would be one of the bigger upsets there's ever been it would have been it would be one of the more unlikely champions we've ever seen considering the they weren't even ranked considering max duggan a heisman trophy finalist wasn't yeah. even the starter at the beginning of the season when you had ohio state beat miami 20 years ago that was a pretty big upset because miami was so loaded yeah, but this usually doesn't happen in college football and when 
we did our college football previews, we probably didn't even mention TCU. Not a single time. No. In any in any shape or form. Or they were picked seventh in the Big Twelve. So I hope I hope they win because I would just mean more for them. Georgia won already, they won it last year. Um I, I hope TCU wins. Yep. Uh the the Jackrabbits uh, take it on the Bison. FCS Championship, Frisco, Texas, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Um, so we'll hope for SDSU. We'll see what uh, TCU can do against Georgia. Anything else we need to get to here before we say so long? It's early January. There are no undefeated teams left in college basketball. Yep, New Mexico lost. New Mexico lost last night to Fresno State. Rutgers beat Purdue for the second straight year. Charleston is ranked. We're going to be big on Charleston. Mm-hmm. And March, we'll see. I got it. I got to get into this here. It's been very difficult here over these first couple of months. I've tried. I just haven't had the time. But then you see, like, Kansas State put up 116 on Texas. And it's like, oh, my God, what am I missing with Kansas State? I got to start watching this. I'm going to do my best here in January to get refocused on college basketball. College football is over, so don't, bowl games are done. So, uh Texas Tech almost knocked off Kansas. That was close one at the end. A lot, a lot of good SEC teams between Alabama and Tennessee. Pitt is like four zero in the ACC. Like yeah, I, yeah. Waiting a little bit on Kentucky. Missouri is surprising. Pitt is four zero in the ACC. Pitt beat Carolina. They beat Virginia. They were down ten at the half. They put up forty five in the second half on Virginia. That's the Gophers, the Gophers somehow almost beat Wisconsin. So, I mean, this is, there are no dominant teams at all. No. Like, you know, Houston, they, you know, they're not in a great conference, and I'm not trusting Purdue. Purdue just lost to Rutgers at home, so. It's, you know, Texas, they got their problems. I mean, they gave up 58 points in each half. Yeah. So. I don't know what's going to happen in the next two months, but what what a mess! This this looks like an absolute mess. Like uh, UConn, I don't like them. Team I do like. I mentioned this before. I like Marquette. I think Marquette is the best team in the Big East. Um, I think they might they they might be my team this year. Marquette. Okay. Okay, I'm okay with that. Go Marquette. Sneaky, sneaky team. Very good. Oh, and. Uh, Sioux Falls Lincoln has a seven-footer, JT Rock. I think he's a junior this year. He's, I guess where he's going. Kansas. Iowa State. Ugh. Boo. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Ugh. 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 You have a choice of going somewhere. You're going to go to college in Iowa. Let's go to what a life. Let's go to what Creighton instead. Huh? Let's go to Creighton instead. Iowa State. Ugh. Iowa Ugh. State. Good luck. Boo. Boo. Oh, there was a girl I mentioned a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Bella Swedland from Winter. And she was the girl that had all these D1 offers. She ended up going to Kansas. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw that she was leaving there. Why would you go to Kansas? They're not any good. Well, Kansas is actually good this year for once. They haven't been. But they're ranked and they have one loss, and so now she's going to transfer. Mm-hmm. You were there for a semester. You're a freshman. 
Is she going like, to what, SDSU? What, 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 you, didn't, you didn't like it that much that <laughs> you're four months in, you're going to say, all right, I'm done. South Dakota State is calling your name. They, they never offered her. You, them or USD. So what does that say? One of the better players. Hmm. Obviously, somebody good enough to go to Kansas. Uh, go to a Big Ten. She had all these weird-ass offers. By the way, USD women losing last week, uh, they don't appear to be very good. No, I still think they're the second-best team, but they're not, they're not nearly as good as they have been. She might. Her second choice was like Illinois State, and she had a bunch of oddball, random colleges. So we'll see where she goes. But I don't think any of the South Dakota schools offered her, which is odd. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where she goes. So it it did not last very long at all for her. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Well, my friend, uh, hopefully you can dig out of the snow. Um, we'll keep an eye out on Tamar Hamlin, of course. Hopefully we'll have some good news to talk about next week, and hopefully we'll be celebrating. Oh, one, one hot stove note, one hot stove note. Uh, Raphael Devers? $331 million for 11 years? That's pretty good. There you go. Another massive, massive contract. Mm-hmm. There Indeed. Go. Well, hopefully we're celebrating a national championship next week. Uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And we'll have a full playoff preview if the playoffs do indeed start next week. But it all all hinges on, on what's going on, I think, with DeMar Hamlin. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out then. But you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Oh, oh I appreciate his time as always. I forgot to get Noah on. Um We'll we'll get Noah on next week. A little just a, it's a heavy hitter this week. Um, it 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 really is just with with the Demar Hamlin situation. Um, just it, it just kind of throws everything in flux, and it, it 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 doesn't become about football anymore. It becomes life or death. And I know I'm I'm saying that the game needs to be played, but it needs to be played at the right time and. This week is not the right time. I don't know if it's the right time to have uh, the final week of the regular season. I don't know when the right time is. Both the players, uh, players on both teams need to be um, mentally, um, they, they, they need the counseling. They need to make sure their mental health is where it needs to be. That is first and foremost, as well as DeMar Hamlin's health and status. You need to know that he's okay or progressing in the right direction. It sounds like he is right now. We don't really have a whole lot else new, but but that's the, that's the key. That is the key in all of this, um, and it just is sad. It, it's a very scary situation that unfolded in Cincinnati on Monday night. We will talk a little bit more about the Jack Rabbits and their road to Frisco. Uh, we will probably should have Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader on, but uh, you know he's busy and, and whatnot, so we'll. We'll try and get him on next week. We'll get Charlie Hildebrand, though, on to talk about the college football playoff, talk about the Jackrabbits, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up this week's edition here of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack, and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, college football talk continuing next here on the first Sports Block Podcast of 2023.
we are going to continue here on our first podcast of 2023. Uh, we'll talk some college football now, and who better to do that with than our resident college football expert, my friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, none other than Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. I haven't talked with you in a year, so it's it's been a while. It's been a minute. You know what? I mean, since we talked last, Purdue sure didn't play well against LSU. Yes, yeah, yeah that was that was awful. That was that was quite. I think bad. we both picked that pretty handily. Of like, oh, we know this is going to happen, and it still was significantly worse than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yep. It sure was. I mean, I didn't think it'd be good. I didn't think it'd be sixty-three to seven, though. Right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go back here to last week here in the bowl games here before we get to the, the college football playoff and Monday's games that uh, inclu- that were um, very significant uh, in some regards, uh, particularly, I guess, the Cotton Bowl uh, I'm thinking of here. But let's go back to last week's games. Uh, we'll just kind of go through each day and you tell me what stood out most to you about um, about said bowl game. So let's go back to Tuesday. Here I'm trying I'm trying to get everything pulled up here. And of course, you know nothing ever pulls up when you need it to. The I'm doing the same thing, scrolling back through ESPN right now. Yep. And ESPN is down. I mean, maybe maybe they are updating the Demar Hamlin story as we speak. That would be great news. Uh, let, well, let, let me just get your thoughts on that first, because it's obviously uh, the, the the talk of the sports world here. Um, you know, normally we're you know, awfully jovial about you know football and whatever, but it's obviously taken a bit of a backseat to what took place Monday night in Cincinnati. Uh, did you watch? And if you did, what were your thoughts? I did not see it. I heard about it pretty quickly afterwards and heard from a couple people initially to be like, don't watch it, it's really bad. And then heard from other people later that was like, yeah, I don't know, it just looked like a normal hit. I don't, so I, I, I've still not seen it yet. Okay. I mean, if it comes on TV, I'm not going to like revoltingly turn away, but I'm not outwardly seeking it either. But I mean, it sounds like it's just one of those incredibly unfortunate freak accident type things where... I mean, I, I don't know if he had pre-existing, I would have, I mean, then again, I shouldn't speculate too much. Even though I'm the son of a doctor, I am clearly not a doctor. <laughs> and a lot of that, most of that stuff did not pass to me, the science stuff. But I would assume he must have had some kind of pre-existing condition or, or something just because otherwise, I mean, the only time I can think of stuff like this happening at all Mm-hmm is it's usually in practice, and it's like when it's 115 degrees outside and someone goes too long without drinking water or something like that. I don't... Yep. I mean, you may remember this. The only thing I even kind of remember like this, and, and I could be forgetting a couple in between, but was the Lions guy like 25 years ago or something like that that got paralyzed, if I remember right. Yeah, I don't against, even, unfortunately, I don't remember his name Against now. the Jets, I did see something about that. I think Keyshawn Johnson was talking about that on NFL Live or something. But, yeah, and, and, I mean, and I know and there have been some other, I mean, what's his, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, just a weird, ironic thing that, like, the Bengals have been involved in, like, a couple of, like, really bad hits. Yeah. Which is just odd. Yep. But, um, I did not see most of the Twitter hot takes back and forth. Um, if you want my opinion, I think it's fine that they stopped the game. 
if they wanted to keep playing it, I don't think that would have been an awful, terrible thing either. But at the same time, if the coaches are like, yeah, it's probably better that we don't, I'm not going to be like, no, how dare you? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm fine that they reacted the way that they did. The psyche and the mental health of the players would not have been where it needed to be to continue the game. So I think it's best that they suspended it. But I do... I, I, once we know for sure that DeMar is okay and that both teams are, are mentally okay, I think the game does need to be played because, in, in some capacity, because of the importance to the AFC playoff seeding. I mean, these aren't two 5-10 and 10 teams here vying for you know a draft pick. This has ramifications for home field advantage and you know the potentially the AFC North. So I think there it needs to be played in some regard. It's just difficult. There's really no good solution out there given that we are at week 17 right now, you know, approaching the final week of the NFL regular season. But I digress on that. Uh, if we, here we go. We got the games pulled up here from bowl week. So let's go back to Tuesday. We had Buffalo beating Georgia Southern in the Camellia Bowl. Memphis Torching Utah State in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. East Carolina putting up a 53-burger on Coastal Carolina in the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. And Wisconsin edging Oklahoma State 24-17 in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Anything stand out to you out of those uh, bowl games? I'm going to preface this with I know that this could just be playing more or playing more to the Power 5 schools, which we just end up focusing on more naturally, but... To me, it was Wisconsin and Oklahoma State that, you know, Wisconsin just looked better. I mean, outside of some, I mean, maybe we shouldn't say garbage time because they could have, I mean, they cut it to seven. But, you know, that Wisconsin won and looked better than Oklahoma State did. And more importantly, that I don't know how many, but like a whole bunch of Oklahoma State guys have just been like, yep, transfer portal. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in Oklahoma State. There was a point in time early this season they were ranked and it was like, oh, Oklahoma State's pretty good. And things have just gotten so bad in Stillwater since then. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Spencer Sanders is gone, and yeah, it's uh, it's not very good down there. And I think their like their only scoring drive in the first half was like a one play eighty yard play. I mean, it, it was a very quick strike, and that was pretty much all she wrote. So yeah, um, I would just say that East Carolina. I know that. Coastal Carolina is getting a new head coach and whatnot, but what East Carolina did to Coastal Carolina I thought was awfully impressive. Um, it was. Holton Ayler's five touchdown passes in the game. That was pretty incredible. On Wednesday, we had uh, Duke topping UCF 30-13 to in the Military Bowl, uh, presented by Periton. Arkansas with a triple overtime win over Kansas 55-53. Texas Tech... Uh, beating Ole Miss 42-25 in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. And Oregon nipping North Carolina coming back from behind there to win the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl 28-27. There's, a, I thought, a lot of big storylines coming out of Wednesday's games. What stood out most to you? Well, the two, the two close games stood out more close to me. And assuming we talk about those two, is there one you would rather talk about? Because no. I will take the other one. The only thing I would say is, you know, Duke beating UCF was something that I thought could happen just because UCF, are they going to rise up to the occasion against Duke? Uh, you know, like this isn't a big bowl game for him. So I wasn't entirely shocked that Duke won, but it was just, I guess, the way UCF looked that I was a little surprised by. 
I think that's fair. And, and also, and also, I'm never, I'm not picking Ole Miss next year in the bowl pick them because Lane Kiffin can't get yeah, them ready same. for a bowl game. I, they, they yeah, suck. that was. I don't remember how many points. I was pretty confident Ole Miss would win, and that fell flat. Yeah. Yep. So not going to do with that. But yes, the other two bowl games, I assume, is that. The, yeah, those are the ones I think. The, we can... the other two stuck out more to me. Yes. I guess I'm going to talk about Arkansas and Kansas more, just because. I mean, I don't think I was the only one. I think a lot of people did this. You know, I was at home at my parents' house. You know, I took an extended vacation from Christmas through New Year's. Um, and actually just got back to Sheldon today on Wednesday. So it was a long vacation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I don't remember what all was going on, but I remember I was watching that game. And then Arkansas was up by, I don't remember if it was 18 or 20. They were up enough that it was like, oh, well, this game's over. And I quit watching it. And I don't remember if we were eating dinner or what we were doing. But it was like, oh, wait. I don't remember if I got a text message from someone or what it was, but it was like, wait. Like, this is going to overtime now? What happened? So I missed a huge part of the second half mm-hmm. and then started watching it in overtime and was like, oh, my God, this is great, and convinced myself that Kansas was going to win. And then, unfortunately, they did not. I mean, I don't want to criticize them too much. It's a bowl game, and it doesn't matter that much, and they spent a lot of energy getting back into the game. I was a little surprised on that two-point conversion and triple overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, when they when they only go for two, nothing else. Yep. That they were like, hey, let's take the ball out of our best player's hand, our quarterback. And then that the receiver, I mean, I don't know. It seemed like he maybe could have put his shoulder down and got in the end zone, but was like, nope, I'm going to throw this pass and completely missed it by eight yards still. Well, that he, was, he had a guy wide open, too, in front of him. That he yeah. that he didn't throw to, so it was the the other person that he attempted to throw to, who you know if he was ten feet tall, maybe would have got that pass. But yeah, that was that sailed on him. I I was a little surprised by that as well. And may I just say again, I hate 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 that they do two point conversions starting in the in the third overtime. It totally I takes hate it, it out. Jill. Totally takes it out. I was impressed. Kansas came back. I was hoping they would win. Um, unfortunately. Wasn't it was a weird game that there weren't a lot of points in time that both teams looked really good at the same time, except overtime. But it was a fun game, especially at the end. And then it just kind of unfortunately had sort of an anticlimactic finish. Or it's just like, oh, incomplete pass that wasn't close. Okay, all right. Not, not, you know, like, I, I don't know about you. I was hoping it was going to be like someone picks off a tick pass or, you know, an offensive guy's running into the end zone and there's going to be a collision right by the goal line and can't make it in. Mm-hmm. And it just was not anything close to that. It was just like, oh, trick play. Definitely didn't work at all. All I, right, it's over. I think that this game, I don't know if it was the best bowl game outside of the college football playoff semifinals, but it was certainly, I think, arguably the most entertaining game. Would that be fair? Um, I don't know. If, gosh, there were a lot of really. This was a really good bowl season stack in. Yeah, it was. Even outside of the two semifinal games, there were a lot of other good games. Um, but it it, it would be on the short list. And Oregon topping UNC twenty eight twenty seven. Oregon coming back in the fourth quarter. There, uh, that was uh, Bo Nix. He's one of he's the main reason why I think Oregon's got a real good shot at the college football playoff next year. I th- I really like the Pac twelve next going into next year. I think it's going to be really really good. 
I, I mean, I think you're right. I would imagine USC and UCLA will both be plenty good next year. Sure, Utah. And I think Oregon good. will be very good, and I would imagine Washington will be good. And Utah. I mean, even Oregon State looked good, and I think that they'll probably be yep. at least decent. And then, you know, there's there's some other teams that have question marks, but I mean, I don't know if Utah will be as good, but I would assume they're not going to be terrible next year. The Cam Rising might come back, so that that's... Uh... A possibility, I think. It's a bad moon rising for the rest of the Pac-12. It sure is. But uh, Oregon coming back, I mean, I know you had said last week that you would put, like, almost all your, you know, the confidence points on Oregon. So how surprised were you that UNC was uh, making life as difficult for the Ducks as they were? I was surprised, but I've watched enough bowl seasons that you can never be too surprised because it's always weird. I, I mean, I thought it was a good game. I don't remember. Was it fourth down that Oregon scored on I at be- the end? Yep, I believe Maybe so. it was third down. Yep, but I, no, I think it was I fourth. Was, I think it was fourth. Or, yeah, I was thinking it was fourth down. And, but it, but the bigger thing, that the, the PAT that they needed to go in front, you know, bounced off the upright and looked like it was not going to go in for a half second and did, which is a fun – I'm surprised we don't get that more often. Mm-hmm. The, the doink that is a positive doink for the kicking team. For sure, yeah. I, I think, you know, we see some of these uh, games being played at baseball parks, uh, you know, with the, the Fenway Bowl, uh, the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. We had the Guaranteed Rate Bowl at Chase Field. I like that we get, uh, you know, the, the it, Petco Park just had that, that feel to it. I, I thought it was, you know, sometimes things are a little cheesy. I thought that was a, a good setting for this bowl game. I think that's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. So Thursday, we had the uh, cheese... Wait, no, no, let's go back. Yeah. Thursday. Yes. Yep, I just had to make sure I was getting right. Oh, we had the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Minnesota beat Syracuse 28-20. Florida State won the cheese It Bowl over Oklahoma in a dogfight 35-32. And then uh, Washington held off Texas 27-20 in the Valero Alamo Bowl. What stood out to you out of those bowl games from Thursday? This is the day that I think I maybe missed the most stuff because one of my sisters and her husband and son, my nephew, got in that day and uh, we had to go get, or we, uh, we picked him up from the airport and then we got takeout food from a restaurant in town. And so it was a much longer dinner than normal. Mm-hmm. The one I saw the most of was Oklahoma and Florida State. And I think we talked about this some. This was maybe the one I was most surprised that was so close. I just expected Florida State to absolutely roll Oklahoma, who I thought was like the poster child for, oh, they're not going to care about this game. None of these guys wanted to play. Mm-hmm. You know, in the cheese at Bowl, they were all thinking they weren't going to be in a, a New Year's Six game. And it's the first Florida State Bowl game in two or three years. I thought they'd show up jacked and and Oklahoma played with them, and it was, I mean, credit to the Sooners that they didn't just roll over like I thought they would. So, I mean, I, 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 mean, I suppose you could also say maybe Florida State wasn't as good as we thought they were either. I suppose that's a possibility, but I'll, I'll look at the bright side and assume that Oklahoma just finally was like, hey, we're going to, we maybe got some stuff figured out in those practices between the end of the regular season, the bowl game. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I'll we'll see how they look next year. I don't think it's going to be all that great for Oklahoma, especially transitioning to the SEC. 
But you never know. Uh, then That's right. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> Somehow I keep forgetting that they're going to the SEC and USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. Yeah. Yep. It, it's it's crazy. It's It sure is crazy. Friday, uh, I thought it was a very good bowl day. We started with the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, a defensive battle between Maryland and NC State. Maryland prevailed 16-12 to there. Uh, Pittsburgh with arguably, I think, the biggest upset. If you want to talk about colossal failures, like Lane Kiffin at, in Ole Miss, laying an egg in a bowl game, I don't I don't think it can be overly stated just how bad of a loss for UCLA this was against Pittsburgh, considering they had Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I know he got nicked up a little bit, but I mean Pittsburgh wasn't playing for anything, and you have that lead late, give up the late field goal to, to lose. They lose 37-35. That was a bad loss, very bad loss for UCLA. Notre Dame uh, was down to South Carolina and in the first half and won in the second half, outscoring the Gamecocks 28-14. They win 45-38, really slowed down Spencer Rattler and company there on offense in the second half. They won the Taxlayer Gator Bowl. Uh, Ohio beat Wyoming 30-27 in overtime in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. And Tennessee beat Clemson 31-14 to in the all-orange Orange Bowl. Uh, so, what? There's there could be a lot of things. So, what what stood out to you on Friday? A few things. I think not including that the semifinals were obviously more important games or the two most important games, I feel like this was really the best day of college football. Though, yep. Where there were the most good games. For sure. I mean, you know, Maryland and NC State maybe wasn't a quote-unquote, like, great game, but it was close. Tennessee and Clemson was kind of weird. Also, the, well, another thing, I, I, I mean, we'll see. I do kind of wonder, I mean, we thought that with the new guy starting at quarterback for Clemson and DJ out of there, they'd be like, oh, hey, Clemson's offense is going to look great now. Tennessee had not looked great on defense at times this season, and boy, did Clemson not look good against an up-and-down defense. Doesn't it make you question how good Clemson can be next year? Like, if, you know... That was the next thing I was going to say, is that I wonder if... I mean, I don't think Clemson's going to go back to being, like, terrible and being 6-6 six and six to 8-4 and four every year. But I do kind of wonder if it's like, oh, this was the end of Clemson being a top-5, top-16 every year, and now they're going to be back in the... Oh, yeah, they're in the top 20, and maybe they can be good, but we'll see. I think like, I, I'm not yeah. saying that's what's going to happen, but where they've been the last three or four years, this is like the arc of that when it does happen. I think you're it's like just like, Florida oh, man, they're kind of getting a little – it's just kind of falling a little bit each year. I think a Florida State or UNC could do it. NC State even as well. Duke looks really good. There are a lot of good young quarterbacks in the ACC – that can sling it with Clemson. And, yeah, I would say that Clemson may be on – their their run of dominance and excellence is certainly over. And then the other thing that, uh, that stuck out to me about Friday last week, Notre Dame and Clemson, I, I've not looked up the stats on this. I'm not going to pretend to know. But I would imagine – because if I remember right, Notre Dame threw two pick sixes in the game. I'm assuming teams that throw two pick sixes like almost universally lose. Yeah, and to be did. like, oh, hey, not only did we win, we still scored 45 points despite doing that. Which is, and I, I think they threw another pick that wasn't a pick six, but still. I mean, three picks, two of them pick sixes, and you still scored 45 points. So, I mean, I, I, it's kind of a weird kudos for screwing up and winning anyways, but. 
You know, when when they were not giving the ball to Clemson, they sure they sure did what they needed to do. I think Notre Dame could be a fringe playoff team next year with Sam Hartman. It sounds like he's gonna uh, leave Wake Forest, and and Notre Dame's gonna land him. They could be a fringe playoff team. I mean, they could be. They, I think they want. They've been the playoffs twice already. Yeah, if I remember right. And I mean, uh, as bad as they looked at times early in the year, they sure looked a lot better later. And I would imagine they're not going to start nearly so slow next year. Now that uh, Marcus Freeman has uh, some more time under his belt as a head coach now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, UCLA with I think arguably the worst loss of the um, of the bowl season. Then Saturday. We'll spend uh, quite a, f- a few minutes on each of the college football playoff semifinal games, but uh, in the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl, Iowa shuts out Kentucky twenty-one to nothing. I whoop de doo. Congrats, Iowa! Uh, and then Alabama thumped Kansas State in the All-State Sugar Bowl forty-five to twenty. Bryce Young played. Uh, Will Anderson played. That they both look great. Uh, this. You know, sometimes we don't often think of like Alabama getting up for a bowl game that's not in the college football playoff, but they Boy, did. They sure did there. Yeah, they did. I mean, Kansas State jumped out to a ten nothing lead early, and then after that, it was all Alabama. Um, there so, was that brief point where it was like, "Oh, Kansas State, are you going to do this?" And then very quickly, it was like, "Nope." Never mind. That was, that was brief, briefly lived. And even at ten nothing too, there could be you know you could look at it like, oh Alabama, you're just not going to show up for this game, huh? But boy, they they came back with a vengeance. Um, so good, good on Alabama there. And now let's go to the the semifinals. Uh, <coughs> this was easily the best year of the college football playoff since uh, it, since its inception. And yeah, hands down, yeah, for, for the semifinals at least. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, we had. I it, mean, you could make a case that not only was it the best day with two good games, they might be just the two best semifinal games. Period. Yes. I mean, off the top of my head, the only two I remember that were good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like good past halftime. You know, midway through the third quarter, were still good. Was Ohio State upside in Alabama the first year in 2014? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was 2015 because it was New Year's Day. I don't remember, but it was that season. And then I don't remember the year, but whatever year that Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma lost to Georgia in overtime. Mm. Those are the only two good semifinal games I remember off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. I think Clemson and Ohio State played in the Fiesta Bowl a couple years ago. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, where Ohio State was driving and then Fields threw a pick six in the final minute. Or not a pick six, but threw an interception in the final minute. That one was a good game, too. But yeah, yeah, there, there have not been very many. So I mean TCU jumps out on Michigan right away in the in the Fiesta Bowl here and it's 14-3 and TCU's got the ball back and this sequence I thought really kind of it, it changed the whole complexion of the game. TCU throws an interception. Michigan on the very first play JJ McCarthy throws an absolutely beautiful ball and it's caught by I think it was Marco Wilson or something and it's ruled a touchdown on the field. And they looked at it because you could see a little bit of a bobble there, but I didn't think there was any conclusive evidence at all whatsoever to overturn it. Had they called him down on the field or at the, like the half yard line and not called it a touchdown, I don't think there was any conclusive evidence to overturn that and call it a touchdown. So for them to, I, I to say, oh yeah, he didn't. He didn't score here. It's down at the half-yard line. And then Michigan subsequently fumbles it on the very first play 
after that and TCU recovers it. I, that's just a terrible job by the officials there. I don't know what they saw, but I think it was the absolute wrong call, and I think Michigan jo- got job there. I completely agree, and like I'm to the point that I don't think we should get rid of replay, but part of me kind of wonders that on occasions, that for all the good we think it does, that it takes, it, it takes so long, and there's just times like this where the – not like a small consensus, but the vast majority of everyone, including the talking head official guys, who I don't know how much every network pays those guys, but I'm sure it's not a small number, but are just like, yeah, no, I agree. This is pretty cut and dry. They're like, nope, not, not conclusive. Can't change it. And then it's just been the opposite of that on the field. It's like, what? And it's to the point where it's like, it was kind of funny at first where it's like, oh, uh, no one gets it. And now it's just like annoying and dumb and I hate it. It was it was bad, yeah, and I, I agree. Like you're you're getting the best of the best of, of these officials here to to help do it because you don't want them to be wrong and make your your network look dumb for bringing in this guy who doesn't know the rules or whatever. But this seems like a clear cut and dry. There, like yes, maybe, but we can't say it with certainty. There's just nothing that that you could use that would overturn it. I just I don't see it. So. That, that befuddled me. In, in yeah. addition to that, like another play call, I'm going to preface this with, I think they got it wrong either way, but the, whether it was targeting or not targeting at the end. I was going to bring that up too. I was going to bring that up I as don't, well. like, the, the football person in me thinks there's no way this TCU guy should be suspended for a half of the national title game. So if they wouldn't have thrown a flag at all, even though that might technically not be within the rules, I'd be like, fine, I get it. It wasn't a good play. They screwed up. Michigan didn't deserve a first down. But the second you're like, let's review it. It's like, well, if you're reviewing it, it clearly was targeting. Yes. He absolutely yeah. had a helmet to helmet with the crowd of his helmet. By the letter so of the law. You have to throw, if you're going to go through the song and dance of like, we're going to pretend this is real and give them a shot, then you have to be like, well, yeah, that's, it was targeting. That. Yeah, absolutely. And even then they were like, nope, never mind. It's not. It's like, well, you can't have this both ways, guys. Exactly. Yep. I, I completely agree. Like I didn't want to see the, the TCU guy, um, you know, be, you know, be suspended for the first half of the national championship game, but by the letter of the law, it's targeting him. Why are you even putting yourself in that situation? Like he didn't need to go in and make that tackle at all. The guy's down and I'm not saying Michigan would have won the game, but it would have, it would have given them 15 yards and one more play, uh, to see if you could score. So I, Michigan got hosed on two calls there, so I don't know if there was a, a bias against them. Uh, but espe- especially that touchdown that got overturned in the first half, that was the difference in the game. And this was an offensive explosion in the um, in the second half. I mean, 44 combined points in the third quarter, 25 in the fourth. TCU had two pick sixes, one in each half. I mean, it was it was a phenomenal game. And I was so impressed by what McCarthy did through the air. I mean, threw a, he threw so many beautiful balls for Michigan. And I think, you know, he's a, he's certainly a bright spot for them going into next year. It, it was a great game. And TCU pulling off that upset, I commend them because I didn't think they were going to do it. I thought Michigan would be able to wear them down a bit with their ground game. Uh, their defense would hold up. And... Boy, TCU just took it to him again. Two pick sixes helped, but that was quite the uh, the performance by TCU. 
and they didn't even play their best offensively. Yeah, that, that's the thing. The two things that stuck out to me, both credit in one way, shape, or form to TCU. One was that against a Michigan running attack and offensive line that everyone thought would just road grade TCU. You know, they did a very good job of stopping them. I, I know Michigan had a few big runs in there and kind of churned out some stuff late, but they still held them to under five yards of carry. And it was way, way, way lower than that early on, which I don't think anyone really thought would happen. You know, TCU ran for 263. If, you, if I told you before that one team had run for 180 and one for 260, we would have assumed that it's Michigan running for 260 yards. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that it, going into the game, I thought it was more important that Max Duggan needs to play well than McCarthy did. I thought that McCarthy could play just okay and Michigan could still win. But if Duggan didn't play really well, there was no way TCU was going to win. And I was wrong on that. I mean, both, both quarterbacks threw two touchdowns and two interceptions, but Duggan completed only 14 to 29 passes for 225 yards. McCarthy completed 20 of 34 for 343. Like, you hear those and you would think, oh, clearly, clearly Michigan threw it way better. They must have won, and they did not. So, I mean, if you would have told me ahead of time that TCU was going to score 51 against Michigan, I would have been like, yeah, no way. Like, like maybe 35. There's no way they're putting up 50 against them, though. And I was clearly wrong about that. Late in the game... Uh, Jim Harbaugh didn't call time out right away on a TCU drive. Um, he ended up calling him late, and then Michigan got the ball back. But I wonder if the clock man – I was questioning the clock management a little bit of Harbaugh there at the end. Do you have any issues with what he did? I don't have big issues because they still had three timeouts, and they still got the ball back. And they got the ball back with, uh, like, a minute to play. I mean, if they would have gotten it back with, like, 18 seconds, then – I would say it was definitely bad, bad. I mean, I think he played it a little conservatively of hoping he would get the stops the first time without giving up a first down, and he didn't. And they got the first down, and he used a man. I think it's not – he didn't play it the standard way, but the way they did it, it still ultimately worked. So, I mean, it's tough to say I'd have a huge problem with it. Sure. I mean, they, they gave their offense that scored 45 points the ball back with a minute to go. Which is, I mean, in a shootout like that is as good as you could hope for, I mm-hmm. think. Yep, absolutely. Just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on, or if you had any criticism on Jim Harbaugh there, because I was questioning it a little bit, but ultimately, you know, they did they did get the ball back with plenty of time to be able to go down. Uh, ultimately, it just didn't happen. It, and, and I should say, in like in college football, where the clock stops for a first yes. down, it's yep. different in the NFL where it's like, oh hey, you got twenty five yards, but it doesn't matter because you were tackled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then in the other semifinal game, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Georgia beats Ohio State 42-41. to I was I was amazed at just how well C.J. Stroud played. I didn't think he was going to have a bad game, but I didn't think he was going to have as good a game as he did. Marvin Harrison Jr. was fantastic. I was really astounded just at, A, how bad Georgia's defense was, and also, B, their offense couldn't attack the Ohio State defense. I mean, you heard in the pregame about Ohio State kind of using that second chance. This is our second chance, so we're going to lay it all on the line. And they did. I was just surprised that Georgia was having as much issues, as many issues as they were stopping them and, and you know, 
like subsequently scoring against them. And really everything kind of changed on when Marvin Harrison Jr. had to leave the game at the end of the third quarter, which probably should have been targeting and whatnot, but that completely changed the complexion of this game. And I think if he had stayed in, Ohio State would have won. Yeah, if I remember right, I don't know if he had any catches in the second half, even before he got knocked out. But but you're right. I mean, I remember he had a great first half. And I, I would certainly think that your odds would be significantly better if he stayed in it. Um, I'm not stunned. Like, Ohio State's good enough that I'm not stunned they were able to do some stuff on offense. But still, I, I didn't think it would be as good as it was. You know, I didn't think it have 28 in the first half. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, there's some other interesting things, but my, my favorite thing that I think I will always remember about this game is that Ohio State lined up for a game-winning field goal, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Eastern time, which the game was played in Eastern time in Columbus, Ohio, is also in Eastern time. Which I, I think they should, like, I don't understand why they had to play this game later. I, I, I understand why, but because it was New Year's Eve, they should have, you know, for people that want to celebrate New Year's, it should have been played earlier. That's just my thought. Maybe, but I don't care, and I yes. loved it, and I will forever yeah. love that the guy lined up and he kicked the ball in 2022, and as badly as he missed it, it still didn't land until 2023. Yes. Will be one of my all-time favorite things. Oh, you couldn't have Along, you I, could. I don't know if you saw this. I, I don't remember who it was. If it was some Ohio State beat writer who didn't go to the game because they sent someone else. Or, I, I saw it sync up with the but ball dropping. Someone in Ohio, I think in Columbus, Ohio, at a bar, like a lot of people like to watch it for a watch party for Ohio State, that the bar did not greet the room and was like, Happy New Year's, let's release the balloons. You know, and there's like 70, you know, <laughs> disgruntled, angry Ohio State fans who just lost a semifinal game. I did and not. just trying to think of like how awkward that would be in there. It's, Oh, yeah. You know, if it was one of my favorite teams, I would not like it. But since it's Ohio State, it makes me laugh. I I did not see that. I but I did see the video on Twitter of them syncing up the kick with the ball drop. It's just it is incredible. You could not have timed that any better. No. And Georgia ultimately prevails. They will take on TCU. They're thirteen and a half point favorites right now. I Georgia's got to play better than what they did. On Saturday, I, and I'm not saying they have to. I'm saying I think they will. They they just have to. That was not a Georgia esque performance. But having said that, going against Max Duggan in this TCU offense is not going to be a walk in the park. So, what are a couple of keys that you are looking at in terms of who wins this game? Because you have you do have good storylines. TCU pulling off the Cinderella like run. And Ohio or, and in Georgia trying to go with back-to-back national championships and undefeated season this year, so this championship does have plenty of storylines. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. I don't think there have been a whole lot of like huge underdogs in the college football playoff in the national title game. Like I know there have been in semifinal games. And I don't have the betting lines in front of me or everything, but I think for the most part, it's always like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, this team's favored, but it could be a good game. Like, I, I, I'm assuming this is the biggest spread for a national title game in the college football playoff era, which would mean it's the biggest underdog we've had. So I think, you know, unless you're a Georgia fan or, or and maybe SEC fans in general will all root for Georgia, but maybe not since they won it last year. 
But I would imagine basically everyone else in the country, you know, other than maybe Baylor, is going to be rooting for TCU. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference between college football and college basketball is since there's so many more guys on the field, so you need even more talent, that the underdogs going on a run is going to be harder to do in football. But at the same time, I mean, I think Georgia's defense is more talented and better than Michigan, but I don't know if it's like that much better. Mm-hmm. And TCU certainly looks good against Michigan. I mean, I think that I think TCU will be able to score some on Georgia because, I mean, this is also not the Georgia defense from last year. But at the same time, I know Stetson Bennett kind of had a weird game and started slow, and I'm not sure that he's going to – I think he's probably going to play better. So, like, I, I think this will – I think the game's unfortunately kind of going to play out like the spread where it'll be like a good first half, and Georgia will get up by two scores on the second half, and it will kind of alter between, like – you know, oh, TCU cut it to seven. Oh, Georgia's back up 14. And Georgia's going to end up winning by, like, 14 to 17. In kind of, in like, a decent, like, a good but not fantastic game. Mm-hmm. You know, something like, let's say, now I'm trying to think kind of what would make sense. Like, 38 to 14, or, I mean, sorry, 38 to 24. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, TCU had their shots, but Georgia's, Georgia's just better. I hope I'm wrong and TCU wins, but that would be my guess on how this plays out. Yeah, it. I. I just. I think Georgia's going to win. I'd like to see TCU win. I. I really don't have it. Either way, it, I'm going to be happy for the champion. I because I'm not sick of Georgia yet. Kind of like I am with uh, Clemson. Certainly, I don't like Alabama at all. So, um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sick of Georgia yet. Uh, just. Um, but TCU would be the ultimate Cinderella story. So, I mean, this was a team that unranked at the beginning of the season. Max Duggan wasn't even the starting quarterback. So it would be rather remarkable um, if they can pull this off. So that championship game Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Uh, hopefully we can chat after the game uh, next week and and get some thoughts as we wrap up the college football season. I do look now, it is down to 12 and a half points for whatever that's worth. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so Monday, I mean, I mean, I'll have to look schedule wise, but we don't have events on Monday that often. So I could, I, I'm probably almost certainly fine to talk after the game's over. Monday, if you want t- to. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, whenever works best for you, we'll get you on, um, whatever works best for your schedule. Uh, then on Monday, we had uh, the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. LSU just pummeled Purdue 63 to 7. It wasn't even close. Mississippi State uh, scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. They get the win uh, in the ReliaQuest Bowl. Uh, first game since Mike Leach passed away. They played in the stadium with the Pirate Ship down there in Tampa. They covered with the fumble uh, return for a touchdown to end the game. It just typical, like, that was a win that Mississippi State really needed. And then the two big ones, the the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, Tulane upsetting USC 46-45. They were trailing 45-30 to with under five minutes to go, rallied to win that game. USC, I think, with a classic, um, like, if you ever want to teach a team what not to do when you have the lead, you know, <laughs> A, defensively, special teams, just look at what um, what what USC did there. That, that was just 
absolutely awful, and Tulane completes the best single turnaround that we've ever seen in college football. I mean, that was, I mean, I think other than LSU and Purdue, which just, you know, was a, an awful game to watch. I barely saw any of it, but the other three were all quite interesting in some way, shape, or form. And, I mean, another reason it might be arguable, I mean, I don't know if it's the best bowl season we've ever had, but certainly the best in recent memory. Um, I, I, I know I picked Illinois to beat Mississippi State. I didn't think they'd be able to do this. I'm glad that they did. It's a much nicer story, and you know, but obviously, you never want to see any anyone die young like Mike Leach did. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a little. I mean, it's obviously incredibly bittersweet. But it's I'm glad that Mississippi State won. It feels better that way. Yes. Um, Tulane and USC. I mean, I will. Uh, it was very fun seeing Tulane win. I do kind of. I mean, I think Lane or uh, not Lane Kiffin, uh, Lincoln Riley. Obviously, he's a great offensive coach and is a very successful head coach. I do kind of wonder if the way that they play in his style is just like, yeah, you know, we're, they're going to do this sometimes. I mean, there are a lot of games that they've looked really good on offense early. And then it's just like, well, your defense and your special teams kind of let you down. And at some point, and it's happened often enough that, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything they can change. Maybe that's just who they are. And, uh, Penn State-Utah was a better game than I thought it would would be, too. I mean, I thought it might be close. I didn't think it'd be as entertaining as it was. I know you were all in on Utah winning. Sure was. I had had Penn State winning, but I don't think I had it for a lot of points, if I remember right. I think last week you had said 16 points, maybe. I, I was extremely disappointed by Utah's defense in this one, especially in the second half. You give up... Two 80-plus yard plays, a one run, one pass. Uh, defense seemed like they were all out of place. And normally, like with Kyle Whittingham, I guess it's more special teams, but normally they have really good defense. And I was disappointed by the defense. Cam Rising has to leave the game in the third quarter. So really any chance that Utah had of winning that game was out the window when Penn State made it 28-14. to It just wasn't happening. Um so, yeah, the that, other thing I didn't like about the Rose Bowl is that one of the fun things is when you get to see it, like, you know, go from from day to, like, starting to sun setting and how nice it looks, but it was raining, and it's like, oh, well, that's way less fun. It's yeah. raining during the game. The one thing I just want to circle back to with USC, um, one, it was kind of funny to me that they have a defensive tackle who's entering the NFL draft who's supposed to be a relatively decent, good draft prospect. I'm like, well... So they do have some good defensive players on USC. They just don't show up for most of the game. Um, but B, you know, I don't know if this Lincoln-Riley style, if this is going to translate to national championships for USC. Now, maybe it will. I, I'm gonna yeah, that, that's what I, you put that in a way that I did. That's what I meant. Okay. I mean, you yeah. can be really good. I mean, clearly it works. I don't want to, like, poo-poo on them and be like, wow, look how bad they are. I mean, they were didn't go to a bowl game last year. They, you know, eleven and three and playing in a New Year's Six game is a great first season and the best season USC's had in a while. I think that if he's there, well, I mean, it'll be different when they join the Big Ten. But I think there's still chances they could make the playoff. But I mean, it's I, I just I mean, if you can't play defense, I mean, and, 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 I mean, I should also say, you know, obviously Georgia and TCU both won despite giving up full loads of points to do. So 
the way the games change, there are just going to yep. be times where that happens, and you have to find a way to win. But it happened so often at Oklahoma, and it happened a lot at USC this year. Where I mean, they found ways to win, but it's like, oh, hey, you know, I just, oh, Oklahoma's up twenty-four to nothing; they're going to roll. I just think and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's thirty-eight twenty. It's 38-28 now. How's this other team back in the game? I just think back to what Utah did to USC in the Pac-12 championship game. And it's just, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of Utah's offense as a high-octane, high-powered offense. And yet they were able to just torch USC time and time again after that first quarter. So I, USC has some things that they will need to sort out and, and get better at, certainly on defense. But, uh, yeah. They're giving up. Tulane's good. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, a group of five team, they're bad. Right, but it's Tulane. That's not the way this is meant. But, you know, against a a USC team that people thought was going to be in the playoffs until they lost to Utah the second time, against a group of five team, they gave up 305 rushing yards and nine yards per carry. That's really bad. I I did very bad in the bull pick them this year, but – I was the only one in our group that did pick Tulane to beat USC, so I will hang my hat on that. Yes. So. Uh, if I remember right, I think I didn't get a finish in last place regardless. Yeah, yeah. I'm it, just bad at picking bowl games, or at least I'm bad at I'm bad at slotting them correctly. Maybe I well, should say. Well, we just got to remember next year uh, to not pick Lane Kiffin to uh, for a bowl game, um, and you know just remember some of these other. Um, you know, coaches that leave and and whatnot. So it, it'll we'll get we'll be better next year, Charlie. I am. I, I am hope so. That. Uh, final thing before I let uh, before we say so long. The FCS championship is this weekend in Frisco, Texas, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time on ABC on Sunday. It is the Battle of the Dakotas, North Dakota State against South Dakota State. No Dakota marker on the line. It's something much bigger. It's a national championship. One, how nervous are you? And two, who do you think is going to win? Because I am hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Because North Dakota State has never lost in Frisco. I'm not that nervous right now. But by the time we get to Saturday, it's going to start shifting. And I'm going to be a wreck the entire game. I mean, I, I just know that I will. And, I, I mean, I think I said this the last time we talked, so I won't go as deep into the uh, the theory I have. But I've always thought when you're trying to break a streak, and for South Dakota State in football, the streak would be winning the national title for the first time, which they've never done. Is that but when you have not had things go your way, or, or, you know, even if it's not a national title, you're trying to break, you know, a losing streak, or, a, you know, you've lost to a rival 20 straight games or something like that. It's very rare that you just kind of comfortably pull away and win like, oh, hey, they won by, you know, 38 to 10 and, or 38 to 20 in a home game. It's usually either you absolutely blow the doors off the other team and late in the second quarter you already know that it's over. Or it's like, oh, my God, this game's going down to the wire and it's a nail-biter and they're going to have to make an all-time play at the end to win. I hope it's the first one and they blow them out. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the second one, though, and we're going to need something special at the end. I don't know if it'll be Davis at running back or who it's going to be, but somebody, I think, on offense is going to make a big play so South Dakota State scores in the final minute 
I don't know if it's going to be a field goal or a touchdown. Let's go with a touchdown because it's more dramatic and say that South Dakota State wins like 27. Let's go 28-24 they win by. All right. And and just like, oh, my God, are they going to be able to do this? And, you know, a, a, a long drive that's like the last three minutes where they convert on like three third downs and one fourth down. I would love that. I just I I want them to win so bad. I don't want to have to hear from it from Bison fans, but I am I'm just I'm very very nervous for this one. I think South Dakota State is the better team, but the better team doesn't always win, and North Dakota State's never lost down in Frisco. Uh, but we'll keep our fingers crossed that it happens. Charlie, I always appreciate. If they you. don't win, I might burn every green article of clothing I have. Okay. It could be bad. I think we should just you know just set stuff on fire at the local shields. Uh, you know, okay. I might be okay you know with what? that, we, too. It's probably a crime. We probably can't commit that, but let's... Um, I mean, if we purchase it first, we can. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's what we do. Or, or just ask some... Uh, let's ask uh, Dana Dykehouse to buy all the bison stuff, and we have a big bonfire out. There in, we go. Uh, in Sioux Falls. I think that would be the, the way to go. I would like that. I'm assuming you are not going to the game. I am not. Nope, I am not. I'm not either. I, I don't know if, uh, if this crossed your mind at all. I kind of for like a half second thought about it and then saw how expensive the tickets would be and was like, e, never mind, I'm definitely not going. You know, if I won Mega Millions last week, I would say yes, that that was yeah. not the case. <laughs> so, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Enjoy the uh, national championship on Monday, and we'll talk next week about it, okay? All right, sounds good. Good vibes, both TCU and South Dakota State are winning. Let's bring it home. Well, if only one team has to win, it's got to be South Dakota State. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. but I'm just, we might as well go two for here. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Yep, have a good one. You too. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, our resident college football expert. Kind enough to spend some time recapping bowl season. Talk about the national championship games coming up here. You can find him on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Normally, this is the time that we um, recap Week 17 in the NFL, make some picks for Week 18. I just don't feel it this week. You know, just with everything going on with Demar Hamlin, um, just the just the uneasiness that we are seeing now, or f- that we feel with what what's going to transpire the rest of the season. And I, I'm not talking like injury wise or anything like that, but just overall, like, are they going to complete this game? What does this do for the, the playoffs? What are, are we going to see all these games being played in week 18 right now? It sounds like DeMar Hamlin's doing okay. Signs of improvement, but it's like, uh, what? Like I, I we, we just don't know. So some of the things to keep in mind here, hopefully the um, hopefully the Vikings beat the Bears, apply some pressure to the 49ers, um, but you need to win just given how bad you looked on, on Sunday against the Packers. The NFL did the Jaguars a huge disservice. Uh, short week, Titans have a few more days to prepare, but... This game decides the AFC South, why it wasn't on Sunday Night Football, why you're putting a potentially meaningless game for the Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers. Now, hopefully the Lions beat the Packers Sunday night, but I mean, who knows at this point? Uh, the NFC South has been 
declared uh, when we'll see if the Dolphins can put some pressure on. The Steelers need some stuff to happen. The Eagles have lost two in a row. We'll see if they can get the job done or if the Cowboys can prevail. They're playing the Commanders who are starting Sam Howell at quarterback. The Seahawks win. Then the Lions don't. It, it means their game against the Packers means nothing to them apart from keeping their rivals out, which would be great. But we'll see if that happens. Uh, Seahawks play the Rams. I, I don't know. It, there's a lot we just don't know so that just enjoy week 18 in the nfl as best we can assuming every game is played uh thoughts and prayers still with uh, demar hamlin his family the buffalo bills and it just it's a very scary sight it's it's not random it's just it's something that happened so hopefully everyone's okay or hopefully hamlin's okay hopefully the team is uh, both teams and the coaches are getting the necessary counseling and mental health help that they need because that is a trauma and a a scary situation that they all witnessed and it's going to hit everyone differently but it's going to hit them regardless and you they need to take care of that before they can feel safe stepping on that field again and i don't feel safe but just like mentally you have to be there because that's what otherwise you're going to risk further injury to other people so enjoy week 18 enjoy the fcs championship on sunday go go big go blue go jacks please uh, bring home that national championship uh enjoy the national championship game on monday between tcu and georgia there on espn uh so find this podcast available online podcast.com or on itunes just search sports block follow me on twitter at andy stacken facebook nathan stacken travis crins on twitter at travis crins Charlie on Hildebrand, uh, Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, hopefully, for those in the Northern Plains here in Minnesota and the Dakotas, you're digging out from this snowstorm. Stay safe out there. Um, just stay safe in general. So, for everyone here at the Sports Block Podcast, I'm Nathan Sacken saying thank you for listening to the first Sports Block Podcast of 2023. And we'll be back next week with plenty of reaction. Uh, football and college basketball and whatever comes over on the hot stove. So, again, for everyone here at the Sports Block Podcast, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.